The Chinese are stealing all the toilet paper. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Thursday, May 9th, 2019. This is your award-winning Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 1136. This is No Agenda. Propagating my handler's formula and broadcasting live from the frontier of Austin, Texas, capital of the drone star state. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where global warming is freezing us out, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. You know, I agree. It's been nothing but chilly and rainy here in Austin. And it's it's May. It's supposed to be warm and hot. Well, here it's supposed to be summer. We have our summer in May, June a little bit, and then it gets cold. I mean, normally because it fogs up. Huh. But no, it's been there has not been one day of warm weather since uh, mid-April. For 11 years, we've been saying, whatever the government says, go the other direction. It's a, it's, it's a sure bet. <laughs> yeah, of course. We still believe in the 70s global climate change stuff. Yeah. Global, yeah. global uh, cooling, global global cooling. We're all going to die from 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 cooling. permafrost. Yes, cooling, cooling, cooling. All right. Well, it's been a pretty interesting day, week, <laughs> a couple shows. Day's just getting started here. Yeah. Well, the sideshow is still on in full effect. The uh, well, it's, <laughs> a, it's an embarrassment. Both it's, sides to most. It's an embarrassment to both sides. It's an embarrassment to the American news media, which I'm sure is in turn creating an embarrassment for world press. <laughs> this sideshow is just terrific. So we had this one woman, Mary uh, Scanlon. And her actually her middle name is on the Chiron is Mary Gay Scanlon. Mm-hmm. G A Y E? No, just G A Y. Straight up gay. Um, going on about how it's so obvious that the Mueller report indicated that there was Russian collusion. They they, they, they they can't get off this thing. And then they had this woman Escobar come on and she goes, I've got to get these clips. I didn't get to, couldn't catch them soon enough. She goes on saying the Mueller report clearly indicates that there was Russian collusion and clearly indicates that Trump <laughs> clearly indicates that Trump, uh, was obstructing justice, trying to cover up the obvious Russian collusion. Eleven times. And it's as though that they either didn't read, they don't care what the report said. And and then they have to, Scanlon goes on, she says, we're not asking for Barr to break the law, he just has to give us the whole report. (laughs) Yeah, which would be breaking the law. I mean, the law could be changed, obviously. Yeah, change the law, you guys. Now, my favorite is constitutional crisis. No longer co-equal branches of government. We're all going to die. Um, let me see. I did have something on. Ah, yes. Was it? Uh, let me see. Where the hell was it? I had a uh, a Judge Napolitano who, uh, ever since he's been relegated to FoxNation dot com. <laughs> <laughs> With Tommy Laren as his boss, um, he's yes he uh, he's he's really come out anti uh, anti Trump, which I really don't remember him as being. I thought he was exactly the opposite. So it's very interesting to listen to him, and he had a great little piece on Barr on Barr's background. You know, before you go on, now that you mentioned it, I'm now reminded now that you mentioned that he's used to be pro Trump. Now he's anti Trump. I'm 
reminded of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation or Worldwide Wrestling Entertainment on <laughs> yeah. WWE. Yes, we're Don't now we got to flip. Yeah, we got to flip. We got to be against this guy, and then the bad guy's the good guy, and then we bring in the Samoan twins. Yeah, NWO. <laughs> yes, well, here's the Samoan one twin, Judge Napolitano, speaking of Bill Barr, who he knows quite well. Is Barr a particularly bad attorney general? Oh, what? Yeah. What kind of a question is that? <laughs> Does it matter? This is Reason TV, so you know it, it stands to reason they'd have a question like this. But the answer is is even more fun. Is Barr a particularly bad attorney general? Oh, Nick. I mean, the Bill Barr that I know, when he was the head of the Office of Legal Counsel in the early years of the George H.W. Bush administration, so that's the think tank within the DOJ that tells the rest of the DOJ what the law means, and from there he became the Attorney General, wrote the original memo to the President about the constitutionality and virtues of mass warrantless surveillance. So right there, it's very difficult for me to, to find good about him. It would be an unbelievable good. It would be angels coming down from heaven type good to outweigh an evil that pernicious and pervasive. Because from that single memo developed the 60,000 domestic spies we have now that work for the NSA. Yeah. Good work. Good work, Barr. Uh, this makes total sense to me. This is exactly the guy you want in there to protect to have Mueller's back you know Mueller went in cleaned up now uh Barr's got to come in He's, someone's got to be the patsy someone's got to go down that's his job and he'll protect everybody else he knows how it works he knows the system he was a part of it <clears throat> well nobody's uh looking at it that way um uh, we are not looking at it. <laughs> we well we we we're objective the way the right wing is seeing this is the um, bar is coming in there not to protect people, but to indict. Yeah, he's going to get everybody. <laughs> How doubtful is that? Of well, I don't buy it because I see no evidence of it. And he hasn't indicted one person. No, someone's so, going to go down. I'm not sure if it's I mean, the, the, the problem is the. Um, is the CIA stuff and the the Brennan, you know, entrapping Papadopoulos, or not really, I mean, honey trapping him, really, and trying to give him information that they could say he then had and was trying to do something with and therefore justify their uh, their their spying warrants. Actually, I had, a, I had another clip about that. Hold on, let me see, where was that? Yes, this is, uh, and I learned a new term from this, Joe DeGenoa, DeGenoa, uh, who is a former U.S. attorney, but now he's kind of like a Fox and Friends guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I will also comment that I like this guy, what he has to say, but I think it's just piled high with wishful thinking. I completely agree. But I did like the new term we learned. I want to switch gears here and ask you about this news out of the New York Times last week uh, about a spy that was placed, another spy that was placed on George Papadopoulos in September of 2016, identifying herself as Azra Turk. We know, thanks to the New York Times reporter who went on CNN and said this, that she was not an FBI agent. She was a government investigator sent by the FBI, and he's not willing to be more specific. What does this tell you? 
Well, her name is Azra Turk, which of course is her nom de guerre, her war name. It's not a real name. She is what they call in the business a spy slut. Uh, she was used, they call it honeypot. You know? Have you ever heard this one? No, but spy yeah, it, was slut? Hinted, it was hinted at in Perkins in his economic hitman book. Oh, it was a spy slut that got him involved with being an economic hitman. Right. Now, we've heard of honeypots, but spy slut, this is a good one. And that's in the I business. I like this better. It According, makes more sense. <laughs> that's how we call it in the biz. Hey, we got that spy slut from Turkey on deck yet? <laughs> he has a little bit more to say, but I just, this was the, was the most important part was the new term. Of course, is her nom de guerre, her war name. It's not a real name. She is what they call in the business a spy slut. Uh, she was used, they call it honeypot. In, that, that's in a war. business term, the spy slut thing? <laughs> they, they, they use that at the agency. It's called the spy slut. Wow. Uh, she is, was used by the agency to entrap Papadopoulos. Let's remember what all this, this is all about. George Papadopoulos was nobody. He knew no Russians. He had never been to Russia. He didn't even read anything about Russia. What was happening here, this is what John Brennan set up along with Comey. They put agents of the United States government and foreign assets from other intelligence services in play to plant information with Papadopoulos that he would repeat back to some other foreign intelligence services who would then feed it to the FBI and create a basis for a FISA warrant or an arrest when Papadopoulos returned to the United States from overseas. Make no mistake about it. This had nothing to do with collecting intelligence from Papadopoulos. It had everything to do with planting intelligence with Papadopoulos. He was being used to create a false narrative to, to frame the incoming president of the United States. There you go. I think that sounds believable. Yeah, it's not only believable, but it was a huge blunder because the Papadopoulos character, if you've ever seen him interview anything, is such a <coughs> such an innocent soul. Uh, he's an international douche. <laughs> yeah, you okay there? I don't have a cough button. You don't have a, a lung, from what <laughs> it sounds like. I swallowed my uh, tea instead of, uh, or I breathed the tea instead of swallowing uh, it. All right. You okay? <laughs> he's still, an, I think he's still an innocent guy who's... Uh, <coughs> He's just kind of this, he's a dummy. Yeah. Yeah. He's it, like, oh, you told me this. Okay, well, but yeah, you should pass it on. Yeah, if I remember, you know. Yeah. I, it was a. It was the wrong guy. You mean the wrong guy? No, he was the perfect guy to plant on. I think he was the perfect guy. He was the wrong guy because he didn't do any real damage. I love how he's talking about this Azra Turk in interviews. And he's like, well, she was very flirtatious, but of course I didn't. I didn't fall for that. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, George. He's got this yeah, he hot did. Italian lawyer wife who who hangs out with. She's she's very very smart, and I just wonder. It's like yeah. you, Papadopoulos, you cheater. I'll bail you out, but you're my bitch from now on. So, well, so there's no evidence that anything happened. No, but we do know we have a name at least. Spy slut. Sounds so great. I'd love to hear that on CNN. I'm sure the women in the agencies love the term. Oh, yes. Well, a slut can be a dude. You can have dude sluts. Yeah, but it's not as offensive. <laughs> really? It's an offensive term. I wouldn't want to be called a slut. Yeah, see, it's not offensive. You actually like the idea. No, I said I do not. It, I do, making it even worse. I do not want to be called a slut is what I said. I don't like the idea. 
Oh, I thought you said you wanted to be called. No. Oh, well, that makes Jeez. more sense. Right. Uh, do you have anything else on uh, on any collusion? Yeah, I have a couple of funny examples. This is not my big collection, which I hope to come over to on Sunday. But listen to some of the stuff some of these idiots said. Here's my favorite one. She well no first let's play sense and Brenner bitching and moaning about you can't release the report fully because of all the illegalities involved so let's just get that out of the way. Now sense and Brenner is a, a representative. You no, know, he's a senator on he's the committee. Senator. Oh, okay. I think it is. Oh, and I'm sorry. Wait, stop, stop, stop. He's a representative. Yes, that's on the, what on I the, on the judicial committee. Okay. I think it is absolutely <laughs> shocking that the majority of this committee is going to ask the chief law enforcement officer of the United States to commit a crime. Shocking. Shocking. And the crime would be to, re- to release unredacted E6 yeah. bloody bloody blahs. Yeah. So, meanwhile, uh, Trump just put the kibosh on everything, and I said that knowing and pronouncing it yet another way, uh, kibosh on everything. And so this got Sheila Jackson, our, the who would have been our favorite uh, representative if had not uh, Maxine, Maxine Waters, Waters come onto the scene? Yes, <laughs> she upped her up the ante. But <laughs> Sheila's running; she's going for it with a, one of the most idiotic comments ever. That the president now seeks to take a wrecking ball through the Constitution of the United States of America. Oh yeah! For the first time in the history of the United States. A president is now exerting executive privilege over every aspect of life. What? <laughs> Maybe we should just step back for a second, just explain exactly what this is about, because it is so idiotic. It is literally almost down to technicalities. And just to make, in this case, the Attorney General Barr look like a, a douchebag, a, a puppet, the president's lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Um, that you know he massaged the public by not releasing, even though he's has no had no obligation under the rules to release the report. They just want the whole report. We voted on it. Damn it! The rules, laws, be damned. We want the report, and it's just a big show, and it's so tiring to watch because you really get well, almost nothing yeah, from it I, except I, I, a few bonehead clips. We get a lot of great clips, now, and especially when you have executive privilege over all aspects of life yeah yes i have no idea what that means I, but, but I, be- I believe her it doesn't matter it's, it's totally aspects. true it's true so what they okay my summary is the following um the report comes out as inconclusive <laughs> it's not even inconclusive it's conclusive that nothing happened and so Barr decides i think Barr made a strategic error here Barry decides that he wants to just get the whole thing out of there. Get the so they have it redacted professionally to get out certain things that you can't release. It's just against the law, right. and there's nothing of any importance that's not been released. So they release it. So the Democrats, because they're, it didn't conclude what they wanted, which is that Trump is a, a is a, a Russian agent, a Russian spy, <laughs> working for Putin, yeah. Putin, 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 Putin. So he, uh, so they want the whole thing. They want to see the whole thing. So that, hoping that he doesn't release it so they can moan and groan. Because now they can say, oh, there's all kinds of secrets in here. They're just covering up for Trump. Right. And it's very effective so far. But what Barr should have done, 
was released a heavily redacted version. Yes, and then gone back and done another pass. In other words, the version he said, this version should have been held, and then he should have just redacted it to an extreme and sent that in so they could bitch and moan about full, you know, the, the page of all redacted, mm-hmm. which the, the Republicans always like to do during the Obama administration. Look at this. It's useless. And they'd hold up a page and the entire it's page all blacked out. Black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he should have done that and then said, OK, OK, I'm going to we're going to go over it again and we'll release this one and then release it. And you maybe think three, and, maybe through three stages. even? <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't think this they would have come up with some other gambit. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I would have yeah. stalled him a little bit. The <laughs> idea is that who's going to get to 2020 first? Yes. Well, that's always the, the idea. idea. Is that's to the idea. The president yeah. until 2020 to hope to get him voted out yeah. and more Democrats voted in. But it's if I think they start playing their cards a little too soon on this. Yeah, I think it's even getting annoying. Yeah. I think it was, did, what, didn't we have a Nancy Pelosi where she was saying that this, uh, hmm, let me see. It's a constitutional crisis. Yeah, no, this is what we got from her. We have to make sure. That One channel is what we have from her for some reason. This will sound political, but we have to make sure. Well, I have sure. my clip, which is Pelosi on bar lying to Congress. Oh, you didn't even hear the clip at all? No, I didn't hear anything. Hmm, Okay. Pelosi, we'll play yours. Lying to bar, lying. Yeah, okay. Did the attorney general commit a crime? He lied to Congress. He lied to Congress. If, and if anybody else did that, it would be considered a crime. Uh, you, nobody is above the law, not the president of the United States. And Clapper is. And not the attorney general. Being the yeah. attorney general does not give you uh, a bath to go say whatever you want. And it is the fact because you are the attorney general. Should it just isn't jail? true. Should he go to jail for it? The, 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 there's a process involved here, and as I said, I'll say it again, and how many other questions you have, the committee will act upon um, the, how we will proceed. Yes, you know, this may be a good point to, to play my little series of clips here, because the woman is clearly uh, disturbed by this, by whatever happened. And I'm sure she believes exactly what she's saying, and she believes that... Trump is an agent of Putin and Barr is uh, working as the personal lawyer. All the things she says, I'm sure she believes, because this woman, along with many, many politicians and many uh, Americans, are traumatized. And I came across a great, what I thought was a great interview. Uh, you know Aaron Maté? I'm sure you do. He worked, no. Uh, yeah, you do. He works for Democracy Now! He has uh, the Gray Zone, which is a like a video podcast, but he's a, he's kind of a mainstream guy. I'm sure you've seen him. Maybe. Mate, M-A-T-E, accent aigu. <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, and he, and this I didn't know, his father is uh, uh, Gabor Mate, and he is a world-renowned, highly published uh, psychologist. And he gave... For the, for, for the first time, I think, an appropriate analysis of the trauma that we're witnessing amongst politicians uh, with, the, with the entire Russia collusion story. He also analyzed, I think, for the first time I've heard it correctly, the president and his issues. And then 
uh, in the third clip kind of a general overview of why you know you take those two pieces what's happening why is it happening so the guy is a renowned I don't know, is a psychiatrist psychologist i know he's got credentials and uh, i'm going to start it off with him uh, talking about this trauma that is the Russia collusion story. What's interesting is that in the aftermath of the Mueller thunderbolt of no proof of collusion, there are articles about how people are disappointed about this finding. Now, disappointment means that you were expecting something, you wanted something to happen, and it didn't happen. So that means that some people wanted Mueller to find evidence of collusion, which means that emotionally they were invested in it. It wasn't just that they wanted to know the truth. They actually wanted the truth to look a certain way. And whenever we want to look the truth, we want the truth to look a certain way, there's some reason that has to do with our own emotional needs and not just with the concern for reality. And in, in politics in general, although we think that people make decisions on intellectual grounds based on facts and beliefs, very often actually people's dynamics are driven by emotional forces that they're not even aware of in themselves. And I really, as I observed this whole Russiagate phenomenon from the beginning, it really seemed to me that there was a lot of emotionality in it that had little to do with the actual facts of the case. There's no question that for a lot of people in this country, the election of Trump was a traumatic event. Now, when a trauma reaction happens, which is to say you're hurt and you're pained and you're confused and you're scared and you're bewildered, there's basically two things you can do about it. One is you can own that I'm pained and I'm hurt, I'm bewildered and I'm really scared, and then try and look at what happened to bring me to that situation. Or you can, instead of dealing with those emotions, come up with some kind of explanation that makes you feel better about them. So he's always explaining basic trauma. By the way, the guy is a lefty. He hates Trump. Sure. And here is his analysis of Trump. It's much more comforting to believe that some, some enemy is doing this to us than to look at what does it say about us as a society. I mean, there was a massive denial of the actual dynamics in American society that led to the election of this traumatized and traumatizing individual. Oh, Donald Trump is a clearest example of a traumatized politician one can ever see. He's in denial of reality all the time. He is um, self-aggrandizing. He belie- his fundamental self-concept is that of a nobody. So he has to make himself huge and big all the time and keep proving to the world how powerful and smart, you know, what kind of degrees he's got and how smart he is. And all. It's, it's a compensation for a terrible self-image. Mm-hmm. He can't pay attention to anything, which means that his brain is too scattered because it was too painful for him to pay attention. What does this all come down to? The childhood that we know that he had in, 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 in the home of a dictatorial, child-disparaging father and a very weak... Trump is fun, yeah. ...who demeaned his children mercilessly. One of Trump's brothers dragged himself to death. Mm-hmm. And Trump compensates for all that by trying to make himself as big and powerful and successful as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a clear trauma example. I'm not saying this to invite sympathy for Trump's politics. I'm just describing that that's who the man is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that such a traumatized individual can be elected to the position of what they call the most powerful person in the world speaks to a traumatized society. And 
And like individuals can be in denial, a society can be in denial. So this society is deeply in denial about its own trauma, and particularly, in this case, about the trauma of that election. So one, one way to deal with trauma is denial of it. The other way is to project uh, onto other people things you don't like about yourself. So, of course, this is not like stunning news, but I've not heard anyone on the left of any spectrum analyze it this way to date. And to say, yeah, Trump is highly traumatized. And that that is part of the trauma of the nation and, I don't know, maybe of the world. Part and, of his charm. It's part of his charm, yeah. It is. <laughs> Final short clip is the projection part. So, yes, uh, and again, nothing groundbreaking, but good to hear that at least someone is listening and thinking about it. It's only a matter of historical fact that no serious person, no serious student of history can possibly deny how the United States has interfered in the internal politics of just about every nation on Earth. For example, in Chile, you know, where where there's an elected government that, that America cheerfully overthrows, even boasts about it. Not to mention the current interference in Venezuela and internal politics. Not to mention uh, how, as you've pointed out, and many others have pointed out, the Newsweek boast about it on its cover, about how the United States helped Boris Yeltsin get elected. Yeah, in, 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 you know, to, you know. So e- even if it's true what the Russians have, even if it's the worst thing that's alleged about the Russians is true, it's not even one minuscule proportion of what America's public acknowledged it has done all around the world. And so this rage that we project then and, and this bad guy image that we project into the Russians is simply a mirror, a very inadequate mirror, of what America publicly and openly and repeatedly does all around the world. It's kind of a meta thought about it's, that? It's not even a meta, it's your old saying. Oh, well, not, I, thank you. Of course it's my, my old saying. What you say, being yourself, but you cope door to health. But I had not considered um, this part of it where we're so, I guess maybe we have considered it, but we're so aware of what the United States has been doing all my life, for sure, uh, in meddling in other countries. And we had a pretty interesting war uh, that's still not really over in the Middle East. And so then, you know, we're so upset about that. But of course, you can't say that because shh, military can't uh, love our troops, support the troops, can't say that. So the trauma comes out in this other way of thinking that this really kind of minuscule country with their power, Russia, you know, that they're the big boogeyman. And that is super projection. And it's interesting to see the trolls in the troll room. A lot of them seem pretty uh, traumatized themselves. Yeah, I'm sure. Just just listen. Just listening to this clip, how they project about (laughs) about these clips. You should go check yourself, trolls. Yeah, I can see that. Well, it's pretty obvious. It's more or less that's what's going on. Yeah, but it, and that's what's so but nice about people, it. It's just the simple. People that are co- that are paid Congress folk that should be, you know, it, it, you'd hope. I mean, when I'm listening to this this uh, Escobar woman go on and on with some interpretation of the report that's just not there, uh, as if it's all true and we have to do something immediately, and this bar guy's the worst. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what is what is wrong with them? And by the way, I think that, and this guy didn't get into it, 
part of the real trauma of the United States, and I would say part of the troll trauma that I'm seeing, is really 9-11. Yeah, because it, it, it was so quickly after 9-11 that the truth movement started. People were noticing bull crap, all kinds of, I mean, it's just, and it's, yeah, oh, conspiracy theories. No, trauma, trauma, because we all know the truth, the real story has holes in it, at least. It's like, man, eh, a lot of stuff doesn't make sense. You know, but we've been suppressed. Oh, you can't talk about, it. oh, no, no. Oh, you conspiracy theorists. I think that's part of the overall. Yeah, I think that's part of the overall trauma. We it's unresolved, man. It's unresolved. Yeah, we 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 killed some guy through his body in the ocean. Thanks, Obama. Uh, but you know, we were, we, we were supposed to be in Afghanistan, but then we went into Iraq. I mean, people are. Well, this actually came up in my phone conversation with my handler last night. Okay, I we're called. We're uh, all ears. Yes, I called Pachenik. Actually, I called him uh, in the uh, in the afternoon, and he and he picked up. He said, "I can't talk to you right now." So why? He says, "I'm in the middle of my Zumba class." Uh, exactly. The commercial. <laughs> He's kidding, right? No, no. Because when he called back last night, I'm like, "All right, first of all, what the hell is going on with you and your Zumba class?" Well, you should talk. Meaning. Yeah. Meaning well, what? Well, you do spin. It, but it's the same thing. It's just another version of an exercise thing like Pilates or uh, whatever the other ones. Uh, that they, What are these classes? You got Pilates, you got Zumba, you got fellatio, you got spin. There's this whole <laughs> slew of these things. I love the spin fellatio class. That's my favorite. Well, uh, he said, yeah, now, remember, he's, uh, he's originally from Cuba, too. I mean, he, had, he lived in Cuba. And I said, so what, what is this Zumba shit? And he, he mentions, like, oh, there's the, it combines this dance and that dance. And, blah, and I go three times a week. I said, are you good? He says, I'm a very good dancer. <laughs> and somehow I believe him that he's totally he into is. it. People can dance. He's from, if he's from Cuba, you pick up a beat. Well, the main thing, you pick up a beat or two. The main thing he said is, Anna, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with a woman now. But he says, Zumba class, there's no men. There's no men. You can score all day long in Zumba class. That was just his little side note. Another no agenda tip. <laughs> just so you know. For all you shut-ins. <laughs> For all you incels, learn how to Zumba. So I said, hey, Steve, you know, something interesting happened uh, uh, on the show. And I said, uh, you know, it, without really taking any position per se about Venezuela, we were excoriating the uh, the administration for this botch of a job clearly based on or in, uh, inspired by 80s wag the dog scenarios from 50 strat 1950s strategies and it's a it's an embarrassment and he, and he's like oh pfft. yeah and then I go on and said but here's the interesting thing and I told him about the emails that I got uh, that we actually we both received one of them and you know what the content was and how they both pointed or all three of them pointed to Pachenik as the guy with you know with the message that I must tell our viewers and while I'm telling him this, he's cracking up. He's laughing like a hyena. I've never heard him this way. He says, ah, the same stupid people who did this damn coup. I said, thanks. You've answered that question. And uh, so he says, oh, he says, Adam, it's unbelievable. They have, they have messed this thing up so bad. And he says, I don't understand. Elliot Abrams, he says, he must have taken a back seat to this and handed over the reins to Bolton. Because he says, Elliot Abrams, uh, he did the coup in Chile. He's been involved in other ones. Of course, Iran-Contra. 
And uh, he knows, uh, as he says, he knows Elliot Abrams quite well. And he keeps telling me that he almost killed Elliot Abrams because he had killed a couple of his informants who were nuns right. in right. a church. Yeah, we talked about this before, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so he says, you know, clearly, you know, this was Bolton running the show. He's an idiot. And, you know, the CIA does all the, uh, the on-the-ground um, execution of this. But he says they messed it up because the way it's supposed to work is really, really fast. And let's just say if you were to uh, do this with Noriega. I'm not saying Steve Pachenik did this, but let's just say it was Noriega that you were uh, trying to, to overthrow. And what happens is the negotiator eventually goes into the Noriega compound and sits down and says, hey, you know, I'm here to take you out. Yeah, I know, because the military's flipped and it's time. And this is all very civil, apparently. Um, And I've got three planes, one for you, one for your wives, one for your staff. I've got the houses ready anywhere you want to go. You want to go to Argentina, any place you would want to be. We'll send you there. Here's a big pallet of cash. And they go. And that is how the system works. And they failed. They failed. They never got the, uh, he says, the Guaido guy is, is, is really the problem. He doesn't have the charisma. You know, I think he said, you know, stupid fake Obama looking guy. He has nothing going for him. But he was very clear. He said, we'll refine, we'll return. He says, all the military will fold, even if it means, um, they have to, um, you know, get the three planes and uh, one for the mistresses and wives, etc., for the military command. Eventually, they'll get around to it. He says, but this is just so incredibly stupid, and it bogs everything down. And when I ask, you know, really, what is this all about? Um, he says, this really only one thing. The Russians aren't that important. He says, it's really, it's kind of minimal. It's about China. And we don't need the oil, you know, we've lived without it for a while. We had a great system going on where we we take Venezuela's crude, we refine it, bring it back to them, then, you know, then sell it back to them and they go off and sell it and fill up all their Sitco filling stations. He says, China is the problem. China, we do not want China getting any access to any oil whatsoever. He says, that's what it's about, nothing else. Which is not like we didn't know it. And so then I threw another thing at him, because I've been tracking something which I hadn't introduced to the show yet. As uh, one of our producers said, there's something really odd, go- well, not just odd, there's some bad stuff going on once again between Serbia and Kosovo. Now, you remember this whole region, is, especially with uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, it was a big mess in the 90s. Was it 90s? Yeah. Well, it, it was Clinton's era. Yeah, Clinton's era, the 90s. And we wound up uh, cruise missiling a couple of people. And it's, it's still a huge they mess. Also accidentally, by some weird accident, since these things are so accurate, blowing up a Chinese embassy. <laughs> I'm just I'm funny how that happens. Um, so the reports are now coming in that there's once again all kinds of strife between Serbia and Kosovo. Uh, Albania is playing a part in this. And the producer who sent me all this information said, I think they're trying to do something because what is happening in Serbia, China has named this its new gateway for rail to Europe. They have already built a high-speed rail between um, Belgrade and uh, what's, uh, what's the country over there? 
yeah, doesn't matter. They've already put in high-speed rail infrastructure. Um, they, you know, they're talking a real big game. They're putting all this money in. And I said, you know, Steve, if if our game is to stop China, then this could be the next theater of some bullcrap, which would be really bad to have a repeat of the 90s. He said, he said, did you say Serbia? I said, yeah. He says, ha. oh, he says, this is what we call a mousetrap. I said, mousetrap. Yeah, we're mousetrapping the Chinese. He says the Serbians are the most ruthless, most bloodthirsty people in the world, and they will, quote, fuck up the Chinese. (laughs) He says the Serbian mafia, and he says, by the way, they're mostly all Russians, but he says the worst, worst, just killers, absolute killers. And he says, "If, if it's Serbia, he says, I'm happy. I'm happy about that. And who sponsors Serbia with weapons is Israel. Um, and mainly because the, uh, the Jews did not, for, I'm quoting here, the Jews did not forget how Serbia saved the Jews in, in, in the Second World War. And so they're, they're giving weapons and making sure that everything's all set up and tight for any operations they need to do. So China could run into a very nasty problem in Serbia. And I've heard this too. I've heard never, never take investment from Serbs because they want it back. So I think, yeah, well, that's not the way the game's played. <laughs> so it seems like while everyone is still talking a big Russia game, the real worry is indeed China, which, as we know from Joe Biden, is not a big deal. Those guys are okay over there. They're just trying. Yeah, to, good guys. Yeah, they're kind of good guys. And that's my report. I from, think that's a good report. Yeah, that's the report from the handler. Yeah. I would give you an A for that report. Um, okay, well, that keeps us up to speed on what's going on. Yes. Now, in other areas of events, uh, uh, there's some local stuff. There's the uh, illegal sur- surveillance clip. Democracy Now! is kind of interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. So I'm watching these these hearings, and there was one little thing that I think people should need. Because if you are... I'm not recommending anybody do this, which is turn on C-SPAN and listen to these idiots. <laughs> um, but there is this thing they do. It's called I Moved to Strike the Last Word. Ah, we, We've talked about this. Yeah, but I, I got a good clip from C-SPAN that explains it quite nicely. The gentleman from Massachusetts, rise. I moved to strike the last word. The gentleman is recognized for five minutes. What purpose the gentleman from Pennsylvania, rise? Uh, to strike the last word. The gentleman is recognized for five minutes. What does it mean when a member of the House says, I move to strike the last word, is a question from a viewer in California. The House most often amends bills under the five-minute rule. That means five minutes is allotted to each side of an amendment, the mover and an opponent. Other members may get five minutes of their own if they offer an amendment, which is just what they do when they move to strike the last word. By House precedent, these amendments are considered to be automatically withdrawn after five minutes. Members recognize they are used to lengthen debate and no votes are ever taken on them. What purpose the gentleman from Minnesota rise? Mr. Speaker, I rise to strike the last word. Gentleman is recognized for five minutes. They also did something else, which was a real TV move, is uh, uh, they went through the roll call again. And everyone's like, hey, uh, what was my vote recorded as? Hey, did you get my vote? It was like some weird time stretch. It's, you know, it's pathetic. Well, I did catch an ISO uh, from uh, the Nadler committee that I just thought was good. 
Um, I know. Oh, here. <laughs> it's all the way at the top. Those in favor, respond by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. Did you sweeten that, or is that the way it came no, out? That's I great. Did nothing. <laughs> Those in favor, respond by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. No. <laughs> that's good. End the show. End the show. I the saw. reason the For reason sure. it sounds like it does is because you couldn't hear anybody. Someone was near so the mic. Nadler says, and Nadler's one says I and the two guys right next to him. <laughs> Uh, who are both Republicans, decided to bring it up a notch. <laughs> they yet <didn't> know. <laughs> That's so great. So I still have it. That's funny. So I'm listening, talking about, well, since you're in the process, I do have a little sub clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be nice to ask uh, next time you do your monthly with uh, Pachenik. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask him about Moldova. There was this, there's this very, I will give credit, it's a video podcast, so it's not really to me a true podcast, but this, guy does this thing and people can look it up on youtube it's called bald and bankrupt and the this is a bald guy who's going around the country around various countries and he's just roaming around i mean there's one where he's in i think it's not georgia or ukraine it's some really far out middle of nowhere place and 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 he runs walks into this village and the women ask him she, she said where'd you go where'd you come from and he talks to me speaks decent russian is a russian area and she says, oh, my God, I'm surprised you're alive. You walk through the, that forest. Nobody goes in there. It's filled with wolves. Oh. <laughs> and so this is the kind of thing this guy's always wandering around. So he's in Moldova, and he has got – his idea was why, why would anybody go to Moldova for a vacation at the capital? And he just shows what a hellhole it is. It's a real – as Trump would have it, a shithole place. You can always but, tell. I'm sorry. But wait, wait. But anyway, so I got – he has a lot of things to say. But I got, I think the crux of it is this clip. You can always tell when you're in a poor country, when you have signs saying, we will buy hair. If people have to sell their hair, if you've got to sell your hair to pay the bills, then you know you're in a bit of trouble. Unfortunately, I can't sell my hair, unless you want a bit of grey beard. What a place. You got any hair to sell? You want to make some money? Come to Moldova. You can sell your hair. Did you see the hair email we got from the lawyer? What? We got an email about natural hair. We were talking about the natural hair. Yeah. Uh, with Miss USA and her natural hair. And yeah. uh, and so this, I guess you missed it. I think you were on the note. Uh, anonymous, uh, as you noted, the winner of this year's Miss USA contest, a lawyer, vigorously pointed out how she wore her hair in a natural way. She may have tapped into the natural hair movement's own history, of which I'm mostly ignorant, but I'll submit to you that the winner made her remarks because of another independent strain of thought, the legal profession's push for diversity and inclusion. And he goes through um, quite uh, uh, a detailed account of his law firm. And he said, it's just some important highlights here. As almost any practicing attorney can tell you, race, gender, class, religion, and other immutable characteristics are a part of many, many professional conversations. Attorneys are regularly reminded of their unconscious biases, ways to eliminate those biases, and the need to hire attorneys of color to satisfy institutional clients' demands. Also, how courts treat criminal defendants differently based upon their melanin content. Uh, Similarly, it's common to hear attorneys, and this hurt me when I heard this, similarly, it is common to hear attorneys complain openly and in formal settings about white men, 
the positions they occupy and the power that they wield to the supposed detriment of all who are not like them. That's kind of frightening when lawyers are doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so... Well, everyone's doing it, so it's not just the lawyers. Right. Well, anyway, uh, going through you know, his experiences and how they have offsites where all they talk about, you know, it's a diversity offsite, but really only people who are deemed diverse, such as him, because he says, I check all the boxes, I'm brown and, you know, half Polish. <laughs> so he gets invited to all these. Um, he says, and he talks about how, you know, the, uh, I mention all this because an undercurrent among those who invest, instigate these conversations and coordinate such events is the belief that individuals have a right to their own story, appearance, sense of self, even in a professional and traditionally conservative lowercase c environment. Perhaps that's part and parcel of fighting against some very real historical inequities in our legal system. At any rate, it's encapsulated quite well in the job candidate I interviewed, a woman who arrived with a nose ring and an unshaven mustache. She got the job. The US, Miss USA winner is perhaps the best embodiment of where the trend might lead, which was exactly what you talked about. Yeah. About the idea that you have to, you have to hire people with anything, any way they look, which I'm not against, but it's, uh, it's an interesting observation, certainly how they're going about it. Well, I'm totally against it. You're against uh, uh, what? Hiring people for certain positions uh, and ignoring the way they look. I just don't think it's acceptable to hire somebody with a mustache, uh, which draws attention away from whatever it is you're doing as a business. Mm. I mean, drawing attention to yourself in certain situations uh, is not is not what is needed or wanted by an employer. And to force it on an employer, I think, is unfair to the employer. It hurts their business. For example, if I have two companies and there's one woman with a mustache mm-hmm. because she's loaded on testosterone, for example, to uh, to minimize lesbian bed death that we talked about some years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's all pumped up with, with testosterone and she's got a big mustache. I ran into a mustached uh, bagger at the Whole Foods the other day. Oh, you're shopping uh, with the elites again, huh? Oh, yeah. And so she's there with a mustache. No big deal in their Whole Foods. You expect kind of to see the, the oddities. But in another situation, you have two companies and you have two women. One's with a mustache. One doesn't have a mustache and she's attractive. And there's two companies doing the exact same business. And you're forced to hire the woman with the mustache to do something that may be front facing. In other words, customers see her. Uh, you're, you put yourself at a disadvantage to the other person because everybody knows that if you're going to buy from one, you have two choices. I'm going to probably... Buy from the woman with the uh, that's more attractive than the one that's maybe off-putting because she's has to has to wear this mustache as a political statement. Right. I, I so I'm totally against it. I think employers should do whatever they want to do in terms of hiring. Ah. If they want to hire a woman with a mustache, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let them. Yeah, dream on. That's not how. That's not the trend. The trend is I'm moving away from that. I'm telling you what my opinion is because you yes. said you're fine with it. I'm not. Gee, that's interesting. I don't think I said you're fine with it. I said you're not fine with it. No, no. You said you are fine with it. Oh, me? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care. Yeah, you don't care. But now that you put it, well, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't. I just don't care. I mean, I see all I live in Austin, so maybe I'm just immune. I just see this stuff everywhere. Well... I see it, believe me. I, see, I I can't believe you see it more than I do. Oh, man, Austin, please. 
Actually, I had a meeting yesterday with the DJ for our for our uh, our wedding. Uh, who will be the only black guy at the wedding, as far as I know? Uh, he's probably one of the few black guys in Austin, uh, but he's from the, he's from the UK. He's from the UK. It's cool. He has a little uh, little. Oh, he's got a little British accent. He, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's got dreadlocks. He's uh, he's been here six years, and uh, so I just wanted to meet him. I'd only converse with him over the phone and email, and then we're just chatting away. And, and, you know, I said, well, what's it like to be the only black man in Austin, Texas? And he says, you know, I got to tell you. And you and I, John, we've discussed how racist they are in the UK. But he made an interesting observation. He said, for, for all the bullshit that's talked about America, the opportunities here for anybody of color, certainly black, he says, are so incredible. Uh, he says, whereas in the UK, when everyone was invited in from you know, Jamaica, which is his roots, and, and you know, all of the... Uh, all of the colonies, and you know, this is back in the what was that, the he- Edward Heath days? So is this the fifties, sixties? Uh, like hey, everyone we screwed over in the colonies, come and live here. But they they kept these people in low paying, low wage jobs. Never really had a conversation, uh, a public discourse or conversation about um, the differences in race and just race in general. And he says in America, you know, once there was desegregation, you got things like. Uh, historically black colleges and universities. You got uh, the NAACP for good or bad. So you have all these different things and you have you have an upper class, super wealthy black. You have a, a big black middle class and of course, lower uh, lower class. But he found in his comparison, <clears throat> the United States is far less, or I wouldn't say that he said far less racist, but he said the opportunity is almost a, is like equal footing. And he was very pleased with the, uh, uh, he says, "I you know he still has to be careful driving while black." Um, but I was, I was surprised and in a way delighted to hear what he had to say about that. Sounds right. Yeah. No, that doesn't sound right if you look at the media. We're just a bunch oh, of racist bad pricks. People. Pricks, we are. Yeah. Especially you and me, old white men. Old white men are the worst. Yeah, this is true. It's true. Anyway, so that was that. Um, mustachioed. Yeah, they're mustachioed. The problem is the testosterone starts to affect their voice. Oh, you're going back to that. <laughs> I'm trying to move on from this. Okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's just that. switch gears and go to the by-election that just happened in Canada. Oh, okay. A, a by-election is – I'm sorry. You're, uh, you're quick on the draw today. Well, you're leaving you're leaving gaps in your speech, which is typically a cue for me. So look at yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I, I felt like setting. I'm going to probably be setting all these clips up because they're they're vague. I just wanted to say a by election is the same as a special election. It's one of these off the wall elections that we have in the United States out of the blue because somebody quit or something like that. So this was historical. Cue. We begin with an election that not only made history in this country, it could be a litmus test for how Canadians are feeling about the big three political parties right now. They all went down to defeat in a by-election last night on Vancouver Island, losing to the Green Party candidate Paul Manley in Nanaimo Ladysmith. He becomes the second elected Green Party member of Parliament in Canadian history. He will join Green Party leader Elizabeth May on the campaign trail ahead of the federal election in the fall. Today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau gave his assessment of the results. One of the clear things that we've seen from uh, from this uh, this by-election, and I want to congratulate all the candidates who, who ran in it, is that Canadians are really preoccupied about climate change. 
<laughs> Preoccupied? Yeah, they see, according to him, uh, now they have two, two whole, two uh, Green Party members of the parliament, two. Mm. And so this is historic because this guy was the second one. Ah. And he's from uh, part of the Vancouver Island and um, north of Victoria. And uh, so they tried to make it look as though, and this is the thing that would got me about this clip, is that there's been reports now, and you're starting to see, and I've mentioned in the newsletter uh, a little bit, that the Democrats have been doing a lot of polling of Democrats. Mm -hmm. And currently, I don't have a clip of this, but it's, it's not hard to document. The number one issue amongst the Democrats is now climate change. And it took over from the old number one, which was health care, was number one. Everyone's concerned about health care. Wait healthcare. a minute. So let me understand. So they're polling just Democrats? I believe so, yeah. And and climate change is number one? I have a hard time believing this. Why would you do that? Why would you have a hard time believing it? Look what you, Elizabeth Warren just did a flip. No, no, and well, now she's all in on climate change. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm not saying the politicians aren't seeing that as the strategy because it's yeah. easy to promise all kinds of stuff. And you, you, you'll never be around to see if it was true or not. That's what politicians do. That's a great idea. By I've the way. seen poll after poll after poll that shows climate change at the bottom economy, jobs, you know, education. This stuff is always at the top. How can this all of a sudden be the number one issue? And this is amongst Democrats. I believe it's Democrats only. I think with the polls you're looking at is the public polls. With that whole the whole yeah. electorate, yes, yes, they got, they got climate change as number eight or something, you know, normal that you'd think, right. especially here where we're freezing to death. But <laughs> did you? But the, yeah, where it should be boiling hot right now. Uh, no, apparently it could be bullcrap. I mean, did, I'm not saying that there's somebody didn't get in there and 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 put their thumb on the scale mm -hmm. uh, and push this to the top because they're all in on it. But no, and now everybody's talking more, more people are on the Green New Deal and climate change, climate change, climate change. And every candidate now that's on my list, of, on the contenders list that I published on the Cosmic Weenie. Yes, your Cosmic Weenie report card. Yes, is uh, all in on climate change. And B B Buttigieg is more so now uh, o Beto O'Rourke, who is trying to make hay with. Uh, <laughs> He's got a five, five trillion dollar plan. <laughs> <laughs> impeach, impeach, impeach. Yeah. He's good. You know, he's really pushing. He's moved the climate change to the top of his discussions. These people are, I think, clinically insane. Well, this is this. This, this could be a, a concerted or coordinated effort. Uh, Scientific American uh, published a, an a interesting article about children changing their parents' minds about climate change. And they've done all kinds of <laughs> tests. And it, yeah, but here's the best part. It turns out, because of course they did this amongst Republicans and Democrats, and that named as such in their study, not conservatives or, or progressives, just Democrats and Republicans. Sure. And the flip from Republicans, according to their research, is dramatic. So the minute kids go, oh, I'm afraid of dying of climate change, boom, they're all in on climate change, according to Scientific American. I'm not buying it. So one thing that one of the problems you, with kids who get into this uh, have some, I believe, and I might probably will offend more than a few people. I believe they're they're not being raised with any parental guidance. 
I mean, if you had the kids that you could like to have clips of crying and moaning and groaning, they're going to die any minute. <laughs> it's all because of these these onerous teachers who are, you know, promoting with the kids uh, these ideas to kind of ruin the kids and the parents do nothing about it. We've had situations well, in my household. We had uh, a couple of kids that came home from school with some crazy report. And we immediately pulled them out of school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shut up already. It's science. There's a classic for you, Dr. Kiki. Yeah. Um, so, so this is becoming, uh, and the Canadians, of course, are all in on this, even though it looks as though the Canadian public is, is like, yeah, okay, whatever, until they get taxed. Um, yes, then all of a sudden it's not so fun anymore, is it? Yeah, same they, for the French. They, same they, for the French. They do lips. It's called lip service, and the politicians don't seem to understand it. So, th- from Europe came uh, two interesting pieces of news. One is, and the way this was reported was great. The UK reported that uh, in the past year, zero point zero percent coal was used in generating the United Kingdom's electricity. Zero point zero. Of okay. course, what is they did true. What they yes, what they didn't mention is that fifty six point nine percent was produced by gas. No, just a, <laughs> yeah, retrofit. Wind five point three, solar five point three. So yes, this is exactly the way it's going. British Petroleum is all in on on helping you with with your windmill dreams because they get to build more gas fired plants because windmills don't produce or solar panels the same amount of uh, energy all the time. But then in Germany, um, and uh, uh, usually Der Spiegel is quoted a lot in the U.S. press. People say, oh, Der Spiegel reported this. Have you seen the new uh, cover of Der Spiegel? No. So it's, this, it's a beautiful illustration of windmills and uh, electricity grid towers, except the windmills, uh, they're... Uh, uh, their blades are broken. Uh, they're wrapped around. You know the the, uh, the the high power lines are all snapped, and everything's crumbling. And it's about the Energiewende, uh, and there's a translation of it that they put online. The headline: A botched job in Germany. The conversion of the German energy system lacks power plants, grids, and storage. The state has wasted billions. And it goes into great detail over uh, of how ever since Fukushima, when Germany said, oh, that's it, nuclear power, got to get rid of that, Energiewende, we're transitioning to the new world, the new world of renewables. 160 billion euros later, it doesn't work. Uh, everything's become that much more cost effective. And surprising to me, the article details that they never, they don't have a Department of Energy in Germany. There is no one single department or even person who is responsible for the energy policy. And everyone just kind of went like, hey, this is a great idea. We're going to do it. We're going to close everything. All right, everybody know what to do. Go and do it. And it's failed. And they're now admitting it. So to have this huge admission, front page, their Spiegel, and the, the article is, as I said, is detailed. And it's just ignored, ignored. Uh, well, this reminds me a lot of the, I mean, people talk a big, you know, they talk about all this stuff and the, science, the amount of people with 
any scientific background whatsoever. They're all sociologists or they or they're, you know, uh, community organizers or they're uh, something along the lines of know nothing. Yeah. They, very few of them come from the science community. And the ones who do are either all in on, on uh, climate change, which, by the way, as I mentioned, and I don't have a clip of this either, but I told people to keep a lookout because a, new, a recent study that just came out indicates that, as you know, we followed this when it was first global warming, then it became climate change. And then they said, well, you know, global warming was more is better because it makes people more. It, talk that about was it that was so. Newt Gingrich, by the way. And we go back to climate change. So climate change, global warming, climate. The new one is they've all decided that the, the what you have to talk about. Uh, and this, I know what it is. I know what it is. Of course you do. Yeah. What? Climate crisis. Climate crisis is number one. Yeah. Because climate crisis uh, apparently gets people's attention. Yeah, it works better. No, by the way, climate crisis is the same as global warming and climate change. It's all the same part of a... a, a you have to. The fact is, that if you have to create buzzwords and terms and terminology <laughs> to, to get people interested to in the topic, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, just call. You're all gonna die. I thought acid rain was good. I love that one. I thought that was a very, a very astute name. It sounded yeah. really bad. Acid rain. Yeah. It was yeah. A good one. Of course, crisis is great because you know you can always create a crisis around some topic. That's why I think acid rain crisis. If they'd kept that one going, that would have been just pulled the plug yeah. on it for some reason. <laughs> uh, acid rain crisis would have been a good one. The problem yeah. is you couldn't, you know, it, just, it wasn't working out. It wasn't that much acid rain. It was, if you remember, acid rain, which was another one of these things that scare the public, was going to melt everything. Yeah, <laughs> we were literally going to melt away from the acid. Yeah, and then we had the hole in the ozone layer, and just having a hole in anything is good. You know, it's like, hey, I, if you say you got a hole in your pants, a hole in your boat, uh, people respond to these words. Climate change was, you know, did what it was supposed to do. It did, made people less interested. Global warming wasn't really good enough. So, yeah, climate crisis, and then you p- promote this idea of in twelve years that we're we're through, even though like a. They mentioned in the last show we had the clip with Hanson talking about 1988. He claimed that the West Side Highway in New York would be underwater, you know, <laughs> and nothing going on. This is unbelievable. Yeah. With that, I'd like to thank you for your courage and say in the morning to the man who put the C's in both words of climate crisis, John C. Dvorak. Well, in the morning to you, Mr. Adam Curry. Also in the morning, all ships and sea boots on the ground, feet in the air. Subs in the water and all the dames and knights out there. In the morning to the traumatized trolls in the troll room, noagendastream.com, where you can listen to great shows 24-7, including our live No Agenda show on Thursdays and Sundays. Lots of other live things happen on uh, noagendastream.com. Great place to hang out, certainly if you're a troll. Uh, noagendastream.com. And uh, we also like to say in the morning to our artists for episode 1135. Now, this was titled Miss Lawyer USA. Uh, Martin J.J. came back, and he, I mean, there were a number of pieces of very good art, but I think the the pig eating the ham sandwich was just the most disturbing thing I've seen in a while. <laughs> and I really enjoy it. We both went, there's no doubt, this is just good. It's too good. And I think, uh, I think it works. I think uh, people, you know, you know what's really nice is when people start tweeting it or putting it on other... 
or you know, noagendasocial.com, put it on Mastodon Network, the Federation. You see an image like that, you just you want to click. It's it's perfect clickbait. It's not just what you see in your podcast uh, app. It's you see the stuff everywhere. Like what the hell? I got to see what this is about. And uh, well, I think it helps. I had I'd fallen in love with the Woody's piece, uh, the M5M piece with the yes. You used that for the newsletter, I think, didn't and you? And I used it in the yeah. newsletter because uh, it's just a, such a pretty. And I would like to see it as a show uh, cover art one of these days because it's just a. It's just slick looking. Yeah. You know, it's very, very artsy. Well, anyway, well, onward with well, our, our... Just let me promote noagendaartgenerator.com where you can upload your art during the show, after the show. We use show for pre-art. We use show for newsletters. We use art for newsletters. Um, we do the No Agenda Shop. You can buy... Uh, now we have mugs and t-shirts with the Podcasters Union logo on it. Very exciting. You can be a member of the union without paying any dues. That is the no agenda methodology right there. And yeah, we also get like the, to, get the t-shirts and mugs don't pay the dues. We also like to thank people who support us financially. These are our executive and associate executive producers for episode 1136 of the No Agenda Show. And we want to start by thanking a few people for uh, producing the show. Uh, executive producer, in fact, Peter Jorgensen, that came in with $1,011.12. Wow. Gross Point Shores, Michigan. No note. I can't find any email from him. I what? don't I, I, really? dig around, but uh, if he has anything to say, we'll be glad to to spew it out there. But it was not, I can't find anything under Jorgensen, under donations, anything. I did find our next guy who turns out to be anonymous. Uh, but that, again, was a buried note, and I want to warn people if they're going to send anonymous donations in and fail to mention it on the note on PayPal, they're, they have to get lucky to get yeah. to become but, – but this guy did. He's in Arlington, Massachusetts, gave $333, and I do have his note, uh, which I just got like a second ago, believe it or not, because I'm trying to fill in the blanks here. Sorry in advance for the headache. I proudly submitted my executive producer 333 credit chipping in. <laughs> However, I could could I be anonymous in the credits? I clicked the quick button. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I clicked the quick button in PayPal to provide my mailing address. I didn't realize that I would automatically consent to be on the air name credit. For what it's worth, your recent deconstruction of Mr. Barr's interrogation, episode 1133, was first rate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, back to the spreadsheet. Oh, wait, does he need no jingles, no karma, no nothing? That's he it. He said, uh, as far as I can tell. I'm going to throw out some karma for for anonymous and for Peter Jorgensen because this is yeah. a good start to our donation. You've got karma. Gracias. Or, uh, I believe Baron Sir Craig Birch, the dentite from uh, Port Angeles, Washington, came with three hundred dollars. I've heard from him for a while. Indeed. Uh, happy wedding, Adam. Oh, thank uh, you. Saturday, I walk with my daughter down the aisle. I have to think. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know this. I have to think of a dad speech and all the stuff that goes along with it. Wishing you and your keeper much happiness. Cheers, Sir Birch. Uh, P.S. If you need a singer, my daughter is okay. Wait a minute. Didn't didn't she sing stuff for yeah, us she, in the past? She sang a couple of jingles. She's an operatic singer in the house. What did She's, she sing? Do you remember? No, I don't. But she, she's like very good. She, but she's a natural, and they, they, 
they're struggling with what they got to send her to some music school somewhere. That's how good she is. She's saying like in the morning or something. Maybe. She did a number of them. I'm trying to think if I can. But if she's getting married, I wonder what. Maybe she won't become a singer. I don't know. Well, I'm going to look for those because we used to play a lot of them. I just don't remember what they're titled or what they were when it goes back. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Birch. Soon Lee, uh, 223. Please pull put. this stone down. Oh, put, put. Okay, hold on. Can you hold on one second? Sure. Sure. Do you want me to read I this? Have, with the, no, I forgot. I, I take these spreadsheets and then I punch them up with a, uh, with an, with a, what do you, would, I, with a view button, I punch them up so I can actually read them. Mm hmm. As opposed to one point type on a big on a screen that's too small, I put this I, so I so I have to punch him up. Yes, I put this donation toward my smart spoken hot husband Nathan's knighthood and deduce him for not having donated in a while. You've been deduced. I think this is sweet. By the way, this is a present for his graduation with a master's in nuclear engineering and radiological science. Wow, I'm so proud of my former green beret. This guy's this guy's a workaholic. Yeah. Uh, he says former Green Beret Di Oppresso Liber, which I think is a phrase or something. Free, free like the isn't is not yeah free the free the oppressed, <clears throat> free the somebody. Uh, he free the Green Berets. He's got a couple more years left for a PhD. Jeez. So I'd like to request PhD karma. He's been a long time listener and used to nag me to listen to the show. The show time is now our designated hangout time. Oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, but hey, Dad, let's go hang out and listen to them dudes. Yeah, cool. Because you know Jay listens to the show, but she's like she's like another workaholic. She's out painting something or something. So I mean, I'm hearing like I'm hearing two people talking, and she's out there. Thinking, who are these two idiots? And, <laughs> it was us. I, oh, it's just us. She's listening to the show. Because we got some nice little portable speakers that sound just like people. They're really good quality. The showtime is now designated hangout time because it keeps us sane and provides. That's, I, we appreciate that, by the way, and provides the healing we need. It's true. Uh, that's what she writes. I truly appreciate you both uh, counting past donation number 197 today, 223, current total 420. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. That's so nice. That's Sue and Lee. <clears throat> Sue and Lee. Yes. Sue and, Lee. and we're proud of your Short former minutes. Green Beret as well. Sue and Lee. We, don't, we didn't get his name. Nathan. Nathan. Nathan Lee. Yes. Uh, Adam, I think. <clears throat> you don't know. Adam Wheeler, $200.34, another associate executive producer. I have a subscription for a while, he says, but this is my first larger donation, so please deduce me. You've been deduced. I make this contribution in celebration of my smoking hot wife, Amy's birthday on May 9th. Please add her to the list and give us some goat karma. <laughs> Thanks for your courage. <laughs> Thank you for your courage and your support. You've got... Ah, nothing like a little goat in the morning. Todd Moss, 200 bucks. Todd Moss, knight of the all-time altitude aluminum tubing. Ah, yes. He flies around. Uh, donating to the P, uh, best podcast in the universe to honor my smoking hot wife, right after the other smoking hot wife, uh, and mother of our three ch spoiled rotten daughters. 
Maya, Elizabeth, and Katie. Maya. I'm sure it's Maya. <laughs> well, Maya. Yeah, Maya. And oh, I'm nope. sure that they're not listening. <laughs> no, they're, uh, they're, they're rescue cats. Uh, love you, Rosemary, the cats, and love the show. Yeah, okay. so, so Maya, Elizabeth, and Katie are cats, just so you understand. Yeah, oh, I get it. Yeah. Well, they, they probably aren't, aren't listening to the show either. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Zachary Montgomery, Indian Trail, North Carolina. Oh, well, I could have, I suppose I was busy looking everybody up. I did not look up uh, Zach. Let me just take a quick look in the email. Uh, boom. <laughs> you didn't look him up. Well, I mean, when I do see these blank lines on these, on the first thing I usually go, what was the name again? Zachary. Uh, Zachary Montgomery. Oh, yes. Yes. I actually did look him up. And I did find him. As a matter of fact, here he is. Uh, thanks for the awesome show. I'm glad to be halfway to my knighthood. This plus 300 in episode on episode two dictators. Okay. No, this plus 300. Okay. Just give us a little accounting. Please call out. John Kuhneman as a douchebag. Douchebag. Now for the second time. Uh-oh. That's why it might sound familiar. The Atlanta meetup was a great event. I hope to make it to the Eastern North Carolina meetup as well. Show up, people. It's fun, and everyone there is already kind of your friend, which is true, by the way. May I please have a karma for our first human resource due June 17th and for our real estate investments? Plus, I'd like to shout out a shout out to my amazing baby mama for not actually getting mad when she found out I made this donation. <laughs> That's the one you want to keep. Is there anyone out there in the No Agenda family who is involved in real estate in general, but specifically multifamily acquisitions or multifamily new construction? Please reach out to me ASAP by mail or call slash test. Why don't you, why don't you send him uh, Natalie's number? <laughs> Very funny. Uh, his his name is uh, the email. I'll give him. I'm gonna give his email out. T Z Zachary. T Zachary. Are you, doc are you doxing this man? You're doxing this person wants, on our he show. Once he says right here. Oh, okay. I'm doing it as if I'm not giving his phone number out, but okay. I will give his email. All right. T Zachary at gmail dot com. Right. T Zachary. Okay. Uh, so he might give there's we have real estate people that listen to the show and they might want to give him a note, a quick note. You know, it was interesting. Do you remember the note from the other day? Uh, uh, I think it was. Uh, she wanted a donor wanted. Was it some karma for her husband? Who's a, a mainframe guy? A mainframe dude. Oh yeah, the mainframe because there's not that many mainframe jobs left. And we got an email from a company that says, "Oh, or someone who works at a company says, hey, could you please uh, hook me up with that uh, with that producer? Because I think our company would be interested in her husband.'" And so I don't know if we've made a love match yet, but uh, we have. Did you send her. You sent a note back. Uh, Eric uh, very properly sent a uh, sent a note to her with the information. You know, we don't connect people directly; they have to do that themselves. So uh, we're like a you know, we're like a job fair here. Yeah. Hey, 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 exit strategy. Exactly. <laughs> job, job, job fair. Hey, everybody. Johnny welcome to Adam's job fair. Welcome in to the Des Moines best on Saturday <laughs> in Great Plains on Sunday. Well, 12 to three. <laughs> Speaking of such, we might as well do our meetups real quick since there are a couple of them. 
Um, and well, remember, I want to say before you do that, mm-hmm. I want to thank these are the executive associate executive producers for show 1136. I want to thank each and every one of them for helping us get the show off the ground. Yes. And these are Juice. credits that are valuable and real and they real. Uh, and you can use them anywhere. Credits in general are recognized. Uh, but if anyone gives you any hassles, we will vouch for you in person, on the phone, email, whatever you need. Meetups. Uh, so just keeping you up to check because this is where you can go meet other like-minded people. No agenda, folk. We're a certain kind. We're all over the world. May 18th, Cincinnati, Ohio. The 25th of May, Eastern North Carolina. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, also on the 25th of May. We move to June. June 2nd, Sarasota, Florida. Hey, that's is that a new one? Sarasota, Florida? I think so. I, like I haven't that. heard of it. Well, I know June 6th, Seattle. That's been on the books for a while. June 8th in Oklahoma City. But then June 15th, Copenhagen. I, you know, and make sure you send us or tweet pictures or do something. We love to see this. We love to let everyone know. Copenhagen. Yes, Copenhagen. Copenhagen. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the happiest place on earth. We all know Denmark. Going to be. We all know Denmark's the happiest place on it. Well, if you go to noagendameetups.com, you can find out all the details, and you can start your own meetup. And uh, I, I commit that after, um, after the wedding, <laughs> after we get through the next couple of weeks, um, we should be showing up for some meetups again. It's going to be time. You yeah. know, uh, I've been to Copenhagen quite a few times, and I've always really? regretted the fact that I've never been to that amusement park that's there. I the know, world's I, first amusement park. I don't know anything about this. What? I don't know any. No, I don't know anything about the world's first amusement park in Copenhagen. Oh, it's it's a, it's a, uh, the Tivoli Gardens or something like that. Hmm. Let me look it up. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic place. From photos, what were you doing in Denmark in general? If you've been there a couple of times, I've been there more than two times. I've been there about five times. We used to have a you got uh, some tail over there, man. Piece, a piece, yeah, piece, yeah. A piece of PC magazine uh, used to be uh, have a branch there, and we ah go there. yes, of course. Aren't you? Aren't it's you? Good old days when I was going to, I was get to go all over the world ah. on somebody else's dime. Yeah, that's when there was money in cable too. There was money all over the place <laughs> until the internet came along. Yeah, the internet when it came along and screwed everything up, and now you know now we're taking now a vow of poverty. We just sit at home. <laughs> I love how you tweeted out that Bloomberg article. Yet again, another article about making money in podcasting with some <laughs> glaring omissions of people they might have spoken to. Yeah. Well, I'm not even putting myself in the league uh, that you're in. So I always, I, but I like to hound people about the fact that they ignore, and they never talk to Weiner either. For no, a, no. Of course, he's not a podcaster and he doesn't care so much. But you are an actual working living, working podcaster who's been podcasting pretty much since you invented it. And you invented it so you could podcast. Yeah, well, so I could do radio without all the hassle. Yeah, but without getting fired and burning down the studio. Well, there's that. Then I think I tweeted uh, that I'm no longer going to, uh, going to tell people how to do it. I'm taking the secrets of money-making and podcasting to my grave. Yes, and I tweeted after that. That I know the same information, and I'm now doubling my rates. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, everybody. You're up to speed on uh, lots of things. Uh, but as John said, mostly we want to thank, um, and that's the whole intent of that uh, of our segment, thank people who are the executive producers and associate executive producers of episode 1136 of the best podcast in the universe. You too can be an exec or an associate exec or just support us any way you can by going to Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. And certainly you learn something new. I mean, go out and propagate about Copenhagen. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Those in favor, respond by saying aye. Aye. Shut up, Steve. Opposed, no. No. On the fly. Just doing stuff on the fly. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's very funny. Uh, quick uh, clip. Yes. Uh, just wanted because I promised we'd, we'd me- at least mention it. The Royals baby. Oh, brother. Yeah. And Britain's new royal baby now has a name. He is Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. The parents say Prince, who are Prince Harry, of course, and his American wife, Meghan Markle, announced it today. And they showed off their newborn baby for the first time. The baby is seventh in line to the British throne. So I uh, start killing now. I saw I saw a funny was a funny article. Uh, oh, it's in the Los Angeles Times. That's why I even brought it to the to our party today. Uh, headline: Will Meghan Markle and Prince Harry raise their baby to be black? What? <laughs> L.A. Times. What a racist! What a racist commentary. But will the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, whose very marriage what do you was mean, a- raise him to be black? Are they going to make him play basketball? Well, Is that I'm, what they're talking about? I'm going to read from the article. He's going to talk in in, uh, Ebonics. You're so racist. Will the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, whose very marriage was a break from royal traditions, break with the tradition of British royal family life and raise their boy their way? He'll learn plenty about his royal background, being seventh in line to the throne. What will he know about his American family? He'll know he's royal when photographers incessantly snap his pictures at events. But I'm guessing that one of his first questions to his parents will be, Am I black? The answer, yes, you are. And if he didn't guess it from looking at his light-skinned mother, then he need only look at his maternal grandmother, Doria, who lives in Los Angeles. I mean, it's uh, it's, a terrible story. It's tongue-in-cheek, but... Uh, Maybe it's tongue-in-cheek. You're not supposed to write news articles that are tongue-in-cheek. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a, I don't do know it. if it's a news article. It looks like an opinion piece. Oh, if it's an opinion piece, I guess it's okay. You can do whatever you want. Let me see if they list it as opinion. Yeah, opinion. Enter the fray. Opinion. Okay, but anyway, I well, thought it was, okay. I thought well, it was fine, I though. thought it was funny, but I also thought it was a valid point. He's going to not even be raised as an American. He's going to be raised as a British upper class class snoot. Mm-hmm. Possibly. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. It's not going to be, he's going to be raised with a butler. <laughs> How many Americans have a butler? None. Do you want to do a, just, just a quick little wrap up of uh, anyone for 2020? I mean, just since we talked earlier about the report card, is, uh, has anything changed? I mean, I'm still seeing, actually, I saw some betting odds. Uh, Trump is two to one. Biden is... 16 to 1 and then it pretty quickly goes to the rest which you know go up into the, once you get to to mayor pete 
yeah, like at 160 to one that he's going to win the presidency. That is not just the. Yeah, but that sounds pretty reasonable. So I don't think Biden's uh, at the top of the list. My list starts with uh, Sanders. I think he's got the best shot. And he has the best chance of becoming president mm-hmm. of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then it goes to Hillary. <laughs> I love that you're still on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the and, way, by the way, can I just say something? This happens every election cycle. And I know when I say it, it only encourages trolls. But, but when I get emails, hi, Adam, thank you for your interest in joining Pete for America. We received your application materials and our team will review your application soon. Dudes, don't do this to me. I don't want to be hilarious gag. I don't want to be on the Pete for America campaign. <laughs> People That's do this good. all the time to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, adamandcurry.com is easy to remember. Yeah. Thanks. So uh John anyway, so I've got uh, Hillary, and of course, in the last couple of days, the New York Times just had an editorial. The New York Times is becoming the worst newspaper. The funniest in my book. The funniest. And they said, "There's, is there any reason, I can't remember the headline, but it's along the lines of, is there any reason we should have another white person as president, or no, white man as president? We have to have a woman. And when they said, as soon as they said this, this is a Hillary thing. This is mm-hmm. the New York Times coming in for Hillary. They don't surely don't think that K- Kamala Harris or Kamala or Kamala, Cam- Kamala, Kamala, whatever she wants to call herself, is has a chance in hell. And of course, Klobuchar and Warren are out. They're not even on the top five. Is well, maybe one of them is, but no, it's Hillary. Hillary's number two on my list, and then number three is Biden, and I think he's falling. Because and he can't he get just, up. <laughs> and he can't get up. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and after that, it's pretty much, you know, a crapshoot. Somebody has to make a move. So we I kept, I, maybe Buttigieg is number three. I'd have to go look. But Buttigieg is uh, Buttigieg. <laughs> Mayor Pete. Buttigieg. My boy, but, Mayor Pete. Buddy Judge. Yes, you can talk to me. He, I'm a spokesperson for the campaign now. He, uh, <clears throat> Pending. He's moving up, but he's only moving up till he runs out of money. Right. Sorry. Uh, well, I did get a funny little short clip from Andrew Yang, who I'm sure doesn't appear on the radar anywhere. He does amongst the Gen Z, the yes. Zoomers. Well, he had, that's about it. We do have Zoomers that listen to the show, and they call us and bitch that we don't we don't talk about Yang enough. Okay, let's talk about Yang. I thought he had a very funny moment. He had a moment where his campaign really came together. Around a chant, you know, if, if you if you really want to succeed in American politics, you need to have people chanting. Yes. So now we lock get her up. The locker, <laughs> locker, or four more years is one that you hear a lot. Yeah. Um, what else do we hear? Well, let's listen to Andrew Yang's. This was at a rally in Seattle. Now, I'm going to be the first president to use PowerPoint in the State of the Union. How do you feel about that? Wait for it. Break out the PowerPoint chant. No, don't do it. Yes. Yes, this is the nerdiest presidential campaign in history. We did it, Seattle. We weren't quite there until that moment, but then you just did it. 
I, I got to tell you, honestly, if he had a PowerPoint that was any good, he could now do that. People would, would dig that. Look at this PowerPoint. Just have a couple of slides showing, you know, really idiotic shit that's going on. How are you going to fix it on the next slide? He, it, it would work. I think people, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. I'm going to go back to my old commentary, which was when Ross Perot was running. Yep. He used to have these little pieces of uh, little cards that he would show to the camera and he would point at different things on the card and show and, and exemplify what he was talking about with an illustration. Yep. Now, uh, PowerPoint, obviously, if it was a PowerPoint era when Ross Perot was running, he could have run a PowerPoint and... I per- now I got into a discussion with somebody the other day. And they they think PowerPoint is like ah, if you can't just go up there and talk, you know you're not you're no good. good. Yeah, you're no good. But that's not true. And I've d- done a lot of speeches and probably more than this guy. And um, and I found that if you don't have power- PowerPoint, serves two purposes to a public speech. <laughs> you know what he needs? He needs he needs a white PowerPoint. That's what he needs. Is one of them? Is their notes? that you can just show up on the screen so you don't have to keep looking down on the dais for your notes. Uh, and it also keeps people, be, they want to look at something besides you. And a lot of times you, you don't have the opportunity to be on the floor roaming around, you know, jumping up and down and doing crazy stuff because they don't mic you right. In most right, venues, right, you, you, right. you have a podium mic and you, and if you were mic'd properly and you had some, you could run up and down and jump up and down and jump off the stage and do things like that. And it would get people's attention, but you need something for them to look at. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I'm and just I, saying he could turn it into his thing. He would stand out. He could. It was in, instead of, no, Oh, I'm, I'm the gay I'm guy from the Hamlet. That. I'm sorry. I, I let you, I let that go by. You're absolutely correct. It, it could, would be a very, it, it could be a major. He uh, could be the PowerPoint in. president. Think about it. Yeah. The white PowerPoint president. I still and like People could start, and he would start his little speech off the way Trump does. And, you know, he had to have the big giant screens instead of the little ones. And he could, and they could start to chant PowerPoint, PowerPoint. PowerPoint. And then he'd flip on the PowerPoint and the crowd would Woo! go crazy. We all go crazy. I'm be the first president to use PowerPoint in the State of the Union. How do you feel about that? <laughs> he said in the State of the Union. That's What a great idea. I'm, yeah. I'm all in. I think I'm all in for Mayor Pete now. He should use. <laughs> no, this was Yang, not Pete. Oh, I'm sorry, Yang. Why am I thinking Pete? He already Pete? lost the plot. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's working so well, I forgot who it is. <laughs> but he should not just use it for the State of the Union. He should use it for his For his, for his rallies. For his rallies, yeah. Oh my goodness. Ah, that is fantastic. I, yeah. I, that was a highlight for me. And that shows you how bad it is. The PowerPoint. Is the on. PowerPoint president. Fantastic. Here's a piece of news that not, not a lot of people discussed. I don't know why. And she came out, this is Pam Anderson. She went out yes. and visited Julian Assange. And only a few people, uh, people don't like to cover this. And she's, she was visiting him. With some regularity while he was in the embassy. Yeah, the only if, uh, democracy now, I believe, is the one who covered this story. 
The actress Pamela Anderson visited WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange at the high-security Belmarsh Prison in London Tuesday. Assange is serving a 50-week prison sentence for skipping bail in Britain and faces possible extradition to the United States to face charges related to the Chelsea Manning leaks. Pamela Anderson spoke outside the prison after seeing him. Obviously, it's been uh, very difficult to see uh, Julian here and to make our way through the, the prison to get to him was quite um, shocking and difficult. Um, he does not deserve to be in a supermax prison. He has never committed a violent act. He's an innocent person. He's sacrificed so much to bring the truth out, and we deserve the truth. And that's all I can say. I'm sorry. I'm just really, I feel sick. <laughs> I feel um, nauseous. Pamela Anderson was wearing a cloak covered with references to the history of free speech in Britain, as well as prison's tyranny and the levelers. Why doesn't anyone really get her to sit down for it? Does she not do interviews? Because it, to me, it's been interesting since the first time she visited Assange, it was reported on. And I, I don't know her personally. I've met her once, I think, at the MTV Beach House. Uh, just a, like a tea. Uh, but I do remember seeing that uh, the home movie with her and Tommy Lee, which yeah. is basically of him having sex with her a lot and steering right. the boat with his with his wang, which is just a thing to be seen. That's, that's an amazing, amazing man, that's Tommy Lee. Um, but in that in that otherwise really lame uh, home video, she comes across as really sweet and really you know tender and innocent. So yeah, I get, I, I'd like to understand the impression of being a mean girl. Yeah, I'd like to understand this relationship she has with uh, with if it's just Julian or if it's free speech in general, and what is her person? I mean, can no one yeah, get her? Yeah, where's the interview? Can no one well, sit her down? Seen as a blonde dingbat. All right, that's bang, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna done. get her on an interview with Pam Anderson on this show. Okay, you I do can that. I can make this happen. Yeah, you should. And there's someone out there who can help me. I'm sure. We'll find it. We'll find it. I, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah she'll interview with you. Who? <laughs> Adam, who? What? Pod, who? pod what? I know, doing a pod. Oh, if it podcast? A pod, oh, it's a podcast? Pod, never mind. No, no, no forget about it. I don't, want, I don't have anything to do with the podcast. So we've got the Trump rotation back in play. Yes, indeed. Where are we at now? He's broke? Yeah, and then we have David <laughs> K. Johnston, this the the, the smiling gnome. He looks like a no troll uh, on Democracy Now. Going on and on. He hates. He's this guy is the number one Trump nemesis. Yes, uh, almost two cents of every dollar reported as losses one year by everyone in the United States were reported by Donald Trump. And what this shows is something I've been saying and writing about Trump for thirty years. He's a terrible businessman. His business model is not to get an enterprise, to nurture it, to grow it, to make it more profitable over time. His business model is the same as a mob bust out. Get your hands on an enterprise, squeeze all the cash out of it, don't pay your vendors, uh, try to cheat as best you can your employees, don't pay the bankers. And Trump once said, I borrowed money knowing I wouldn't pay it back. 
and then leave the carcass and go on to the next deal. That's why the art of the deal is so significant in all of this, because Trump's business model is to rip off one person after another who gets involved with him, thinking he will make them wealthy while he is destroying their wealth. Donald is, uh, after Bernie Madoff, arguably the greatest (laughs) wealth destroyer in American history. (laughs) Uh, And the thing is, they just like our CIA and you know the the coup meisters of Venezuela. There, this is done really whether it's subconscious for this guy or not. Uh, these types of stories and narratives are launched to really to wind up with one little thing at the end that'll that'll remain in the history book. So, uh, in this case, it would be you know that he was a liar. He was broke. He's never been rich. It was all his daddy's money. And that's all they really care about because that will be used uh, in um, in the 2020 election. And the amount of emails I get from people who uh, listen to No Agenda to hate it, uh, of them, you know, the script is that we've seen it before. It's like, how the hell does anyone not make money in the casino business? And and yeah. I and I said, well, let me just Google that for you. Las Vegas casino bankruptcy, and they've all they're all either in receivership, in bankruptcy, they're in Chapter Eleven, in and out. It's it's how it works. You know, I'm not saying that Trump did a great job. Clearly not. But then this is up until '95, when he was called the comeback kid. I would I lived in New York during this time. He was the comeback kid. Look at it. He was he was. He was dead on the vine, and he came back because mainly because the banks couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't take him out. They needed him. There was too too much yeah, money too involved. Big to fail. He was literally too big to fail for the banks at the time. So, well, the casino business you you said is true. Uh, it's true. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds had a casino in Vegas, and she folded. And the the frontier was when I one one of these after another. Either folded or there were many were like the dunes. They had to just dem- demolish the place or the stardust. These places don't stay in business. The ones who stay in business are, ex- are run at an extremely high level. And I wouldn't say that a lot of them are money laundering operations that are extremely well set up. <laughs> no, let's not say I that. say that. <laughs> no. Why would but you want to Trump do that? Trump didn't know how to uh, run in a, a casino, and it's, it wasn't one of his core competencies. They bitch about Trump being crappy in the casino business. It was not a core competency with him. Uh, they bitch about him not being buying Eastern Airlines and making it Trump Airlines, and it folded. That right. wasn't a core company. It wasn't like one of these airline guys who goes from airline to airline to start. No, airlines. He, he was He's like a real estate. No, guy. He was like me. He had a bunch of money and like, yeah, let's let's fly. Let's let's burn it in the air. It never works out. It's not. It's not a good idea. Don't there's get into aviation. High, there's plenty of high tech guys who uh, made a lot of money, very specialized in computers and the rest. They get out of the business and they go into aviation, aviation. or they yep. go into these other things that break them. Yep. Because it's their core competency is, is, I mean, it's not like Elon Musk, who's core, you have to, for, first of all, figure out what your core competency is. Elon Musk, yeah, he, he makes cars, doesn't make any money, but he makes cars, he makes uh, electric cars, he makes- uh, Rockets. Solar panels, he makes rockets. Well, how do you be a rocket man if you're a car guy? It doesn't make any sense. His core competency 
competency has got nothing to do with any of that. His core competency is getting on the government dole. Yes. Finding ways to leverage free money. That's what the com and he just saw these two big holes in the in the in all the schemes. He saw he can hire all these and he's also noticed that NASA had a bunch of guys they had to lay off because they were folding, pretty much folding shop when they gave up on a lot of stuff. And there are all these superstar, really smart, you know, aeronautical engineers that could uh, come over it's, and build rockets. It's coincidental you bring this up. <clears throat> I was just watching, <clears throat> excuse me, The Real Tonight Show. And The Real Tonight Show is a place where you go to um, hear someone interesting speak about a topic that then you may or may not be interested in with uh, comedy intertwined. And uh, unlike what Fallon and Kimmel and Colbert think, the true Tonight Show of of today, the generation today, is the Joe Rogan Show. And Joe had an MIT artificial intelligence research scientist on, Lex Fridman. Very interesting guy. Um, way too long to make into any... Well, I have one clip. Lots of interesting information about artificial intelligence, how completely unintelligent it really is but when it comes to the self-driving cars or in in elon musk's case the tesla autopilot um he brought up um the lack of situational awareness that uh, artificial intelligence has and the unlikelihood it'll have at any time soon um which resulted in a very interesting question regarding self-driving vehicles which you in particular will be interested about because they're roaming around California. One of the uh, big assumptions of us human beings is that we think that driving is actually pretty easy, and we think that humans suck at driving. Those two assumptions. We think like driving, you know, you stay in the lane, you stop for the stop sign, it's pretty easy to, to automate. And then the other one is you think like humans are terrible drivers, and so it'll be easy to build a machine that outperforms humans at driving. Now there's, that's, uh, I think there's a lot of flaws behind that intuition. We take for granted how hard it is to look at the scene, like everything you just did, picked up, moved around some objects. It's really difficult to build an artificial intelligence system that does that. To be able to perceive and understand the scene enough to understand the physics of the scene, like all these objects that, it, like how to pick them up, the texture of those objects, the weight, to understand glasses folded and unfolded, open water bottle, all those things is common sense knowledge that we take for granted. We think it's trivial. But there's no artificial system in the world today, nor will there be for perhaps quite a while that can reason, do that kind of common sense reasoning about the physical world. Add to that uh, <coughs> pedestrians. Uh, so add some crazy people in this room right now to the whole scene. Right, and being able to notice, like, this guy's an asshole. Look at him. What is he doing? What is he doing? Get off the skateboard. Oh, Jesus, he's in traffic. Yep. And the considering not that he's an asshole, he's a respectable skateboarder. Uh, <laughs> It, that in order to make him behave a certain way, you yourself have to behave a certain way. So it's not just you have to perceive the world. You have to act in a way that like you have to assert your presence in this world. You have to take risks. So in order to make the skateboarder not cross the street, you have to perhaps accelerate if you have the right of way. And these are that there's a game theoretic, right. a game of chicken to get right. I mean, we don't even know how to approach that. As a as a artificial intelligence sort of research community, and also as a society, do we want an autonomous vehicle that speeds up 
in order to make uh, a pedestrian not cross. I like this. I like this question. <clears throat> I really do. Hey, do you want uh, these vehicles in order to sometimes take your right of way or make traffic flow? You speed up. Do you want autonomous vehicles doing that? I think it's a good question. That's a great no, great question. Oh, I don't know if it's a great question. It's a great question. He also mentions, and it was too long to clip, um, but the way Tesla in particular, um, so they do, of course, a lot of tracking and testing. They run new software releases in shadow mode so they can see if the car is performing the way they, they expect it to. But they have every nine seconds, I think his statistic was, every nine seconds, there's a moment in a Tesla autopilot, or on average, I think it is, where the Tesla autopilot has a moment where it makes a decision, but you probably should grab the wheel. And, you know, obviously, Tesla doesn't really even let you let go of the wheel that long, except for a second or two, because of all the accidents that have happened. Uh, But people are still putting oranges in the steering wheel or a water bottle, and apparently that tricks it into thinking that you're holding on to it. At least you have one or two hands on the wheel. Yeah, yeah. People, oh, there's tons of videos of people doing that. But here's what's interesting. So people are violating the rules of engagement? Yes, of course. Of course. They're, yeah. they're, people are s- super stupid, particularly those that drive in Teslas. Um, but what he asserts is because there are the, the errors or the what they call uh, oh crap moments are reasonably frequent, that's why people are staying alert. He says the better Tesla makes it, the less alert people will become and the more accidents are likely to happen because they start to rely entirely on it. And these, and, you know, and an oh crap moment might happen, you know, <clears throat> once in a trip and you just, you just become complacent and we will see more deaths. He, this guy is like, you know, he certainly feels that uh, artificial intelligence is, uh, it has a place in the market, but maybe not on the road. <clears throat> <laughs> driving around at 4,000 pounds of steel. Well, it's plastic. With uh, Do they have steel in that car, or is it all just plastic? No, no, it's steel. Mm. The outside's steel. Oh, okay. And the, the frame is steel. You have to be steel. Mm. But it's all glued together. That's yeah, glue, that's the plastic it, yes. part. Anyway, it's well worth uh, worth watching that interview. Mm-hmm. Then, then there was a... Um, there was this shooting in Colorado, Highlands Ranch, and we got a number of emails, and this shows you the power of Gitmo Nation, of our producer network. Did you read these? Did you get them? I think you might have been copied on one or two of them. No. <clears throat> the first one was a, just a general local overview of the press, Adam and John, um, and I think keeping both of these anonymous boots on the ground. Watching uh, local coverage of the shooting, the first few reports that struck out to me was the anchors would say the shooters had, quote, plenty of ammunition, in part due to the ease of buying it. I'm not sure if this is the media tipping its hat, that this event will not be the focus of gun control, but on how ammo was sold and the changes needed. Uh, And he says, a blue wave is running Colorado and all kinds of bills are passing in record time. Again, this was reported before the numbers were in on the number of victims, but the reports at the time included that both shooters were taken without the need to engage them. Now, today's reports have two new items. A car found in the garage of one of the shooters had graffiti all over it. The second is one of the shooters is transgendered, female to male, which I think now we know we've seen this person uh, uh, show up in court. Uh, the channels no longer say the names or show the pictures of either shooter. I'm thinking, this is our producer, the car was spray-painted last week as the result of the trans person being bullied at school 
and this shooting was their way of getting back. Overall, difficult situation to report on if this turns out to be true. So, uh, very hard to report on. Well, another producer, keep me anonymous, please, um, has lived in Highlands Ranch for over 11 years. There's some interesting information about schools in Highlands Ranch that the No Agenda community should know about. Highlands Ranch is the Colorado equivalent of Irvine, California. It is a very large, planned, affluent community. Is that like uh, Stockton? No, not Stockton. The, the Stepford Wives? Is that what he's saying here? Well, there'd be a Stepford. But I, when I think of this, I'm always thinking of Celebration, Florida. <laughs> the, celebration, the city of crazy people. It's a mm. great place. Yes. Uh, what, you own real estate there? No, but I I, I try to visit it. Or, or It's just a very strange place that uh, that exists and uh, that was disney's idea of uh you of know the future Center yeah, was the future of life planned yeah. community yeah. like this and it, it never he died so the highlands ranch community is split about 50 50 pro charter school and anti-charter school the elections for school board are intense people in pussy hats yelling never trump are laughable compared to election time around here About eight years ago, men in masks showed up to harass people at a rally for the school board candidates that were against charter schools. They scared my wife immensely in 2017. My wife was run off the road for having the wrong bumper sticker on her car. The charter schools are not run by Gulen, as in Mark Hall's documentary, but the fanaticism is the same. The Highlands Ranch STEM school is not only a charter school, but also STEM which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And as you and John have so aptly covered, the STEM movement has a fanatical following. When you add charter school with STEM, you get a school that can do no wrong. However, there are many things wrong with the Highlands Ranch STEM school. And this is the information I think is fantastic. The school has no school resource officers, which are also known as security guards. The regular public schools have at least one, but typically three resource officers. And resource officers would be the ones to stop a shooting or intervene. Much notably, or most notably, and getting to the root of the problem in high school shootings, they have no school counselors. The regular public schools are required to have many counselors. Also, the school is in a converted warehouse in an industrial area. There are over 1,800 students, K-12, packed into a converted warehouse. The STEM school spends their money and technology and the principal. They pay him $300,000 a year. Wow. The Highland Ranch STEM Charter School was up for revocation last year, but nothing came of it because Charter plus STEM is untouchable. So, over 1,800 kids in a warehouse that have no security guards and are expected to learn topics in science and engineering beyond their grade level with no, no one help to help with the stress. Just shut up and code, kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, And that's kind of interesting because I got one little clip from, where is it here, from the Highlands. This is the students who are in the auditorium and someone was starting to speak and they they started a chant of their own. No, it's not PowerPoint. Again, one channel. I don't know why. Mental health, they're chanting. Mental oh, health. like Maxwell House. I thought they are doing a coffee <laughs> ad. No, no. Mental health. Mental health. Mental health. So now they're screaming for mental health. But it seems like this is a, like a, what a, what a perfect combination to have something horrible go down. 
No counselors? Yeah. No counselors. Yeah. And this is this is what charter schools can become. Now we huh. appreciate the observations from our producers in the area. Um I but I my money is definitely on the bullying. I think that seems like that could have definitely set someone off pretty bad. No counselors. Complicated. Well, you should probably, people should read an uh, old novel by John Hershey called The Child Buyer. Ooh, I'm not familiar uh, with this. Yeah, it's about a bunch of kids that are really smart. It reminds me, every time I hear all these stories about STEM schools and some of these things, I, it's a bunch of very intelligent kids that somehow have been all uh, rounded up. And if you're really smart, you end up being plugged into it. It's almost like a, it's like a proto-matrix story. Hmm. Only nobody's asleep. Uh, it's just something out there people might want to take a look at. Hmm. If you're bored, it's not a long novel. We should put it on the list. Put it on the list? Yes. Let's see. What else well, do I've we got have? a couple things. Mm-hmm. First of all, did we play this? We we had this thing. You had the, the Judge Napolitano uh, clip going on and on about how Bar. Trump was... Cr- Oh. Barr, yeah. no, Trump. Uh, Trump was obstructing justice. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that was a promo for his show, yeah. Yeah, did you have the, uh, did you hear the, Dur- did I play Dershowitz version of that, of his counter to it? No. I think I recorded, I never, we never played it. I wanted to play it and get it off, off my list, because it really refers to, uh, mostly to um, Napolitano, and it's pretty good. It's, Dershowitz is obviously, you know, well, should I should I play the should I play the Napolitano clip that we played for reference? Yeah, yeah, play that clip and then play Dershowitz. Okay, let me see. No, Napolitano. <clears throat> what would it have been? Oh, obstruction. Here we go. So when the president asked his former advisor and my former colleague at Fox, K.T. McFarland, to write an untruthful letter to the file, knowing the government would subpoena it, that's obstruction of justice. When the president asked Corey Lewandowski, his former campaign manager, to get Mueller fired, that's obstruction of justice. When the president asked his then White House counsel to get Mueller fired and then lie about it, that's obstruction of justice. Okay, so he goes on for three minutes about it's all obstruction of justice, and uh, and he, of course, is propagating that on his program. And so now we go to Dershowitz, and who Dershowitz is where in this? He's on Fox 2. Uh, on one of the other shows. Which I will get to in a moment. Professor, let's start with the Revengers. The president is resisting their subpoenas. He's even suing some of these congressional chairs. Doesn't Congress have a right to hear from these Trump officials as their oversight? Congress does, but the courts also have a right to check Congress. I grew up in the McCarthy period, Mm. where Congress abused its authority to subpoena and to bring people in front of committees just to humiliate them, just to embarrass them. And the courts ultimately stepped in and said, enough is enough. I suspect we're going to have a real battle. The courts will sustain some of the subpoenas, but will refuse to sustain others if they think they're being used for an improper purpose. Yeah, Trump is really going to the mat on this. He's refusing to to submit to any of these uh, subpoenas or to allow any of his staff to testify. Now, I want to play something for you. The president said today at the NRA convention, uh, he talked about his efforts that he says were meant to take him down, these efforts by the government. Watch. They tried for a coup. Didn't work out so well. Corruption at the highest level. A disgrace. 
spying, surveillance, trying for an overthrow, and we caught them. Are words like coup and overthrow over the top, Professor Gershwin? Well, generally they are, but there was one instance where it wasn't over the top. When people talked about invoking the 25th Amendment, which was for an incompetent president, I use the term coup, even though I try to be very balanced and reasonable. The 25th Amendment was never intended for a president who you simply disagree with. Okay, I need you to put your legal scholar hat on. Uh, One of our own family, Judge Anthony DiPolitano, uh, he is raising questions about obstruction of justice, Mm -hmm. okay? Do you agree? Is this obstruction of justice? I do not agree. I think Judge DiPolitano is terrific, and we often agree about the law, but in my introduction to the Mueller report, I go through the elements of obstruction of justice. The act itself has to be illegal. It can't be an act that is authorized under Article 2 of the Constitution. So firing the FBI director? It can't, it's not even a close case. Look, the best analogy is President George H.W. Bush pardoned Casper Weinberger on the eve of his trial in order to stop the Iran-Contra investigation. Mm. The special prosecutor said he did it for that reason. Nobody suggested obstruction. It can't be obstruction of justice if the president is acting within his authority. Nixon obstructed justice because he acted outside his authority, <coughs> destroying evidence, paying hush money, telling his subordinates to but lie to the FBI. Napolitano said He's, he told people to write letters to the file. He told people to, to go and deliver messages. Not obstruction, Not obstruction of, justice. of justice. Those are all legal acts. If he okay. ever told somebody to lie in front of a grand jury, that would be obstruction. Yeah, I think we're going to have to outlaw any any more clips about this topic. I'm, it's like <laughs> so boring. It's crazy boring. It just goes bad. And it just and fills up the, the news media with just bull well, they're crap not all day other long. News. That's what bothers me. Yeah. I do have some news uh, from Texas. Um, Texas has now put together a bill uh, which will codify the law regarding battery-operated uh, scooters, and I think it's going to be very it's going to be very problematic. Although I'm happy with what they've uh, decided, uh, I think it's too too late, and we're going to see a lot of dead dead kids dead uh, dead hipsters and i'll explain why so here's the rule um if the if it passes see if it passes and the, the governor signs it it'll be law uh, you must be 16 or older to operate a rented motorized scooter only one person at a time can operate a scooter and that's oh man how many times i see two people on those things which of course they, uh, they two yeah, really two people on one Wow. Yeah, and, they, and then, and then they, they were living in you're living in Taiwan in the 60s. Yeah, they can't break that well. Speeds may not exceed 15 miles per hour for a standing scooter or 20 miles per hour if the person is seated. A scooter operator must yield the right of way to pedestrians. A scooter cannot be parked in a way that obstructs a sidewalk, path, road, or any feature designed to help people with a disability. And here's the most important one. Rented scooters cannot be driven on sidewalks. And I think this is where we're going to see a lot of dead hipsters. Because they all ride on the sidewalk here, and the cars are not uh, hindered by them very much. Now you put these things in traffic, you can't really see what it is, they're, uh, because they're also low to the ground. Uh, I think we're going to see people getting flattened. Because they will I, not... I, I would say you're probably right, and I don't understand some of it, because scooters... Traditionally, which was something you had when you were a kid, you rode on the sidewalk. Child's, 
right, their child's uh, toys, transportation vehicles, <laughs> child uh, transportation vehicle, also known as are. a pram. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and they're designed for children, and children ride on sidewalks because they walk on sidewalks. They they push their little push pushy scooter on the sidewalk. Yeah, and um, skateboard. They skateboard on sidewalks. And so yes. now all of a sudden you yes. have to move the skateboarders are supposed to go into the road too. That's what I don't want. Skateboarders are interestingly, most skateboarders are on the road, but they have, a, they've been on the road ever since I've lived in Texas you know, skateboarders, this, it's different and it's just different and they're in and out. They're all over the place. They, and these, you know, if you're, if you're on a skateboard in, in public anyway, you've got to be, you got to know what you're doing. It'll be, you'll be injured quite quickly. Violations could be punished by fines of up to two hundred dollars. I personally look forward to now. Of course, I, we no longer live downtown, uh, but if we're downtown and someone's uh, coming towards me on the scooter on the sidewalk, once this goes into law, I'm clotheslining him. Yeah. Kunk. Sorry about that. Arms straight out. That's right. Clothesline it. Uh, but this is uh, too little, too late, uh, Texas. This is not going to. People are so used to these. These damn scooters now on uh, on the sidewalk, but more importantly, traffic is used to not having to deal with them. So it has to start all over again, and people will die. The CDC released their numbers, 190, uh, 190 people injured uh, with head, head injuries in, had taken to hospital, to the hospital, uh, since the, uh, the e-scooters started in Austin. We're the, we're the test city. Come here, kill our hipsters to see how it'll work in the rest of the country. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting situation. Good. Yeah. Oh, well, at least something's going on. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we're going to, we get this, you hear about the Uber strike. Well, now, is Uber going public this week? It's going public right after the strike. I think the strike <laughs> is designed. Strike? <laughs> I think it's designed to, to, to screw with the IPO. You think? <laughs> I mean, the minute I heard the strike, well, of course, what's happening is these drivers who have been completely, you know, it's hard to make money uh, doing doing Uber if you want to do it as a full-time gig. Um, it's only gotten more hard, and Uber is doing all kinds of nastiness and basically stealing money from the, from the people who drive. Uh, and I think that they're pissed off about... Uh, about the whole IPO, you know, how do I get my Uber millions? Oh, yeah, they these, got nothing. They, I'm out Uber, here doing all the work, and you if guys. Uber are, was smart, mm-hmm. which they're not. No, they would have distributed a lot of the stock to the to the reg, the drivers who put in yes. so many hours. In fact, they would yes. have encouraged yes. more. You get to put in a, you know this many hours for the last six months. You're going to get uh, you know 100 shares or something. They got plenty of shares. They're going to go out with something like $80 billion worth of uh, funding. They have so much shares they could have given it, which is the Silicon Valley way, which is the bribe people yes. to kill themselves with overwork. How by co- offering how, how, them- hey, why don't we let Silicon Valley do the coup in Venezuela? <laughs> yeah, they could do it. They could do a better job. 
they could do a better job. But let's listen to the Uber strike report from PBS. Drivers from rideshare companies, Uber and Lyft, protested their pay in 10 major U.S. cities today. They turned off their smartphone apps, cutting their connections to would-be customers. Drivers argue that they are getting poverty wages, but the companies they work for are earning billions in profits. All drivers, you know, everywhere in the country deserve a fair pay and fair and fair treatment. So we are hoping that this will make a big impact and uh, make our base companies listen to us. The strike comes two days before Uber's initial public stock offering. The company says it expects to be valued at $91 billion. <laughs> Ninety-one billion dollars. And what do they lose? Equity. What do they lose? Like they lose ten yeah, million, million she, a week. Quote, I'll give her. I'm going to give her a quote. She yeah. says, "Billions in profits." Wait, wait, know, wait, 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 Where did, did I miss that? She said billions in profits. Oh, you didn't catch it. You no. had to play it over. Drivers from rideshare companies, Uber and Lyft, protested their pay in 10 major U.S. cities today. They turned off their smartphone apps, cutting their connections to would-be customers. Drivers argue that they are getting poverty wages, but the companies they work for are earning billions in profits. All drivers. <laughs> billions in losses is the correct uh, information. No. Does she correct it? Does she correct the error? Uh, do I need to play it again? Because I don't think so. No, you don't need to play it again because she doesn't. Jeez. Well, I mean, the Democracy Now! also reported on a little shorter clips. They brought in a bunch of guys that, that did a bunch of accounting. You know, I was making $1,000 a week, and now you have to do this, I have to do that. And uh, But they're... Their take on it was a little more progressive, to say the least. In labor news, Uber and Lyft drivers are planning to strike today in over a dozen cities ahead of Uber's debut on the New York Stock Exchange. While Uber is expected to be valued as high as $90 billion, the drivers say they have not benefited from Uber's success, citing low earnings and no benefits. It goes on with a bunch of complaints. But the point is, is that, again, as I said at the beginning— and the model of Silicon Valley is to share the wealth, unlike other parts of the world that wonder why they can't make the Silicon Valley operation work. Right. Because they, they, these people are too cheap. It, this could have been prevented. This was never a Silicon Valley operation. It came out of San Francisco by some douchebags. And as, you know, as a trick, you know, ride sharing, you know, bullcrap. Uh, it was just a scam. And so they never got to a clue about sharing the wealth. If these drivers, would have been given just a hundred shares a, a piece of stock, uh, and there's okay. So there's tens of thousands of drivers. So what? You know the way it works. You can just dilute it. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. Uh, everybody you gets can, rich. You just dilute them the hell out of it. <laughs> dilute the hell out of it. Nobody <laughs> notices. Yeah. Well, I'm encouraged that they're turning off their phones. And I did want to just briefly before we go to our break, I want to talk about the Google I/O. Um, which is their developers conference. Right. And uh, did you see this keynote by any chance? No, no. I've I been disinvited from this thing years ago, and I don't pay much attention to it anymore. Uh, it, was, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, mainly, the main thing that they're doing is they're moving a lot of their uh, MLAI, machine learning artificial intelligence, onto the device itself, into Android, which makes total sense. 
because yeah, since it doesn't work anyway, well, you they might as well move it to the device. Well, they can't. They can't keep up with their data centers. Everyone, you know, if you really want to track someone, it needs to all be done on the on the device. Uh, they've made some. They say they made a technological breakthrough, which is very basic artificial intelligence with you know different stems um, and it's how it it really decodes human uh, speech, natural language. That's that's what they were showing most of. Um, but to be able to store all of that on your device and then report back in maybe even perfectly aggregated statistics that are more useful to them makes total sense to me. And they showed demos where the phone was doing things in uh, in airplane mode, so you know absolutely no connection to the internet. But sadly, the entire Google Vision, the way I from the demos I saw and the way they spoke at the keynote is really just turning you into a little piece of stupid-ass wetware. Some examples. Um, now, And they're doing all these demos by just talking to the phone in almost natural... You'd say, hey, Google, once, and then you can talk to it the whole time. It understands what you're doing. They showed this demo where, like, do this, do that. Uh, what's going on here? Take a selfie. And it's, it would do, do all of these things very, very quickly, faster than, of course, you could ever use your fingers on the device. But here's the great technological advances we will have uh, with the new Google artificial intelligence machine learning on your phone. Number one, uh, when you are at a restaurant, you can just point your camera at your check. It will immediately and automatically calculate the tip and, if you want, even split the bill. (laughs) I mean, this is... It, it it goes right along with this piece they did of a woman in India who can't read, completely illiterate, and she's um, oh, it's sad music, oh, so, so horrible that I can't read, my children read, I can't help them with homework. They give her the Google phone, and she holds the phone up to the homework, and it starts speaking to her, and now she's, oh, this is so great, because now I can participate in society. Not for a moment. Was there even an inkling of, oh, and here's how you could learn to read? No. Stay stupid, you Indian. Stay stupid. Just listen to what Google tells you to do. Right into uh, showing the benefit of all of their mobile tracking. Everything is taken care of for you. In fact, the way they do maps, I, I can predict for you right now, map reading in our lifetime, John, will become a university course. No one's going to be ever using a map ever again if Google gets their way. There is one good thing that I was excited to see. Uh, can, with I, their... can I interrupt you for yeah. just a second while you're on that? Just mention yeah. that. Yeah. I have stopped using my navigators. Very good. I've decided it's, that. It's better for uh, your brain. Sorry? It's better for your brain. Keep it engaged. It's better for your brain. Yeah. Uh, and so what I do is I get a map. Yeah. And I see where I'm going. I know the different places. So, okay, well, I just have to remember there's two streets down, take a right, and then I'll find it on the left. And I, I, I do not use the navigator anymore. Very I stop good. using it. And if I'm in a, if I'm like driving around Austin and I have to get from here to there, I'll, I'll fire up the navigator. Right. But for local around town, people aren't going to be able to get to the Safeway in their own city. Yes. If they keep using these things and people have them on going to the post office. <laughs> Turn well, these things off. Yeah. What it's going to do is going to create a lot of very lazy people and you become completely dependent. I mean, 
speak of dependency on technology, this just happened this morning. Uh, I have a clip from the city of Baltimore. You know, what I can confirm is what we confirmed uh, publicly yesterday that we discovered sometime early yesterday morning that the city was infected with the uh, very aggressive Robin Hood ransomware. Um, the FBI, who is currently investigating uh, this certain incident, has confirmed that it's a fairly new variant that's quite aggressive, and technicians right now are trying to remediate and root cause exactly you know what's been impacted and affected uh, we can say with confidence that uh, public safety systems are up and operational 311's operating the city's phones are operating and for now if anybody needs to contact the city the best way to do it is to pick up the plain old telephone and give us a call all of our phones are working and that's about the extent of what i can uh, comment on uh right now so ransomware they and you know People came into work, uh, unplug your Ethernet, everyone, computers down. They're screwed. I mean, this is this is our future. We've got some guy with something that works on 300, uh, 310 uh, megahertz to, uh, you know, some home security device. Whatever the guy set up, it's it, the signal was continuous, so it blew out the whole neighborhood. No one could open their garage doors. I mean, Professor Ted would love this stuff if he actually, you know, could could get this information in real time. And it's affecting our entire life. Sports. Sports. I, You know, I, you could wake me up in the middle of the night. I wouldn't know a thing about sports. But I can tell you that I have a clip from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver about how social media and phones are affecting sports. Sports. Uh, I think there's a few issues going on. One is a, is a larger societal issue. And I know you have a lot of young people who work for you at the yep. Ringer. Obviously, our, our players are young. We have young people in our office. I, I mean, I think we live a bit in the age of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's I've read studies on this. I think part of it is a direct product of social media. Yes. Um, I, and, and I think those players we're talking about, when I meet with them, what strikes me is that they are truly unhappy. Yeah. This is not some like, you know, show they're putting on for the media. When you get, you know, when you have relations with a lot of players, when I'm one on one with a lot of these guys, you know, I think to the outside world, they see the fame, the money, all the trappings that go with it. They're the best in the world at what they do. You know, they, they say, how is it possible? Like they could even be complaining. And I, you, I hear this on television all the time. A lot of these young men are genuinely unhappy. If you're around a team in this day and age, they're, they're headphones on, they're isolated, and they're head down. Like, as soon as the, it used to be, I remember years ago, Isaiah Thomas said to me, championships are won on the bus. And he meant right. that. And, yeah, I, no and I disagree. One of the comments from the earlier panelists was, oh, forget those other five guys on the team. Those five guys on the team were critically important, even if they hardly had any minutes. All, you, know, you know, usually they were veteran players. They were leaders who were able to take players aside in a way a coach couldn't, yeah. you know, because they'd lived through it. It was just something that a, a teammate could do that a coach couldn't or certainly an owner or, or somebody or an administrator in the team. This is pretty sad. Yeah, do you know what a star NBA player makes like a Steph Curry on a yearly basis once they get to their max contracts? So you're playing a basketball game and you, you're making... $30 million a year? 40 No, it was close enough. Close that, enough. That bastard brother of mine, he lied to me. He said it was 30 Yeah, year after year you make it, you know, you get a 10-year deal or a five-year right, deal and you're making right, $40 million, right. $40 million, $40 million, and you're miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if anyone has a reason to be miserable, it's us. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the bar, our poverty has always been something that makes you happy. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda in the morning. Okay, so we have a few people to thank. Sir Ever of the Watt, W-H-A-T, one, two, three, four, five. Sally Forth, my friends, he says. Sir Justin Barber in Los Angeles, California, $100. Uh, thanks for all you do, love and light. Lauren Littlefield, 69-69, got a birthday on her way to Damehood. Uh, too long since she last donated. Uh, she needs a – give her a de-douching. You've been de-douched. She does mention that this is the best podcast in the universe, according to the Mueller report. Brian <laughs> Pearson, 66-66. Sir Carl with a K, 5919. Uh, Charles Schultz of Anniston, Alabama, 5919. The 5919 donation was the, this show's uh, signature donation for the date. Not a lot of people jumped in, but we do have a few. <laughs> it's always nice to see some people participating. Yeah, I think it's, it's and there's Mother's Day's coming up. Yep. Uh, that's going to be another be, one. Was that, gonna, is that Sunday? We got to do this for Sunday, yeah? Sunday, Sunday, Which, yes. And, of course, Mother's Day not celebrated on the same day everywhere. No. Celebrated in true. different, kind of different days on different, in different countries. But, and the other thing I want to mention that I would like to see some donate. I, mean, I, I created an open-ended donation. You just put any amount in you want, anything over 50 bucks, you'll mention your mom. Um, but I'd like to see some people take it, use this because Valentine's Day, for some reason, and Mother's Day for this show are huge duds. <laughs> People either don't like people their hate their moms. <laughs> they hate their moms. What's wrong with I you people? I don't get it. Uh, All right, onward with this. Charles Schultz in Anniston, Alabama. Uh, Baron Walkman of Buckeye, fifty nine nineteen. Kyle Blank, Houston, Texas. Jeffrey Fields, fifty nine nineteen from Parts Unknown. Amy Burlingame in Bergen, New York. And you got a birthday call to her son. Happy birthday, my son Jacob. The the vegan powerlifting no agenda listener. What a contradiction in terms that is. Well, <laughs> Sir Le, Sir Leron in Doth, Dothan, Dothan, Alabama, um, fifty one nineteen. That's our whole group of fifty nine nineteens. I'm sorry, fifty nine nineteens. Megan Kendall's fifty eight eighty five with a happy birthday to her husband John. He's on the list. Yes, uh, Aaron Ostrander. Now, look here for uh, where I'm reading these. See if there's anybody saying anything about their mom, because this was offered. Now, I'll read the names, and okay. if you see the mom call out, let me know. Okay. Aaron Ostrander in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which we don't get enough contributions from, since everyone knows it's the Paris of Canada. Yes. Well, he doesn't. He hates his mom. Nothing about his mom. <laughs> James, well, it's not. It's, oh, okay. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean you it's, automatically hate your you mom. Hate, you know, because he may have not taken advantage of the offer. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Hey, we don't. Neither John nor I have a mom. You know, you should hang on to the, the they, your mom. They passed on and yeah. we missed them. Yeah. Yeah. Mo moms are kind of kind of cool to have around. When they're gone, it's like, oh shit, man, I ain't got no mom. You don't you get any more input from them. Yeah. <laughs> like Why how the Chinese in there. You know, like, that kind of the thing. Chinese are stealing all the toilet paper. The Chinese, they're over there buying it up. Uh, James Fulton in Stocksdale. She did never smoked, but even though she has kind of a smoker's voice, the way I do her. James Fulton in Stocksdale, Stokesdale, New North Carolina, fifty-five nineteen. Okay, so this is a kind of a variation that goes back to the fifth uh, Cinco de Mayo. 
Uh, James Fulton, 5519 in Stocksdale. I'm sorry, David Nixon, 5519. Martin. Martin. Peters. Mar Martin. Martin Peters in he says California. That's no, Holland. Uh, no, he's in uh, NL. Oh, another. I'm sorry. Yeah. Look at the line. Yeah. Alan Pindrock, 5510, double nickels on the dime from Henderson, Tennessee. Ezekiel Chopper. Hmm. One of the really great names of the uh, of the list. On the list. Now, he's a, uh, and there, now, I'm sorry, 5280. Then Sir Luke, the Viscount of London in the Southeast, 51 in London. Another birthday boy, David Walsh, 5045. Which is a hundred and it's like $180 in Australia. Yeah, the way things are going. <laughs> yes. Like he got in. Uh, Jeffrey Anderson, 5012. And then now we have $50 donors, name and location. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Jeffrey Anderson made a donation to my wonderful mom, Marilyn, with an E, who is 94 years young this year. God bless her. God yeah. bless her indeed. That's getting there. It's up there. Uh, so there you got a mom. Uh, Victor Munoz in Miami, Florida. These are $50 donors. Michael uh, Drew Mochak in El Cerrito, California. He needs to come to a meetup. Heather Rodriguez in Stockton, California. Jonathan Meyer in Xenia, Ohio. Edward Mazurik in Memphis, Tennessee. S. Scott. Uh, Maxine Waters get gravel. gravel. <laughs> Maxine Waters gravel is going to be a dame. Gonna, Maxine Waters gravel is going to be a knight. Yes, or dame. Or dame, depending on what the sex of the gravel. Proud to announce my support for presidential candidate Mike Gravel. Finally, someone who speaks Mike for gravel. the gravels of America. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. It's 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 all good. <clears throat> Brian Kitty Kinnett. Oh, this is another great name. Kitty Kinnett. No, it, Brian it's, Kitty Kinnett. No, it's just like hey everybody. It's Hot Rock and Z One Hundred. Brian Kitty Kinnett with you. Yeah. You know what? Brian yeah. Kitty Kinnett in the afternoons. Yeah. Yeah, it would yeah. work. Would I can work. hear it. Yeah. Lisa Ha uh, also has a birthday for a bunch of people. Well, hold on a second. Uh, ooh, all donations associated with Lisa Ha and Brian Kitty Kinnett are for Brian's birthday. Oh, this is a, a happy birthday, baby kitten. Please give him a shout out May 8th, 2019. So that's $50 from Lisa, $50 from Brian, and $1.11 for forgetting to write the note. Oh, so it sent another donation to writing the note. All right. Well, okay. So that's Jeez. for for, uh, for Brian then. Brian's okay. birthday. Good. Got it. Uh, Larry Hay in Mooresville, North Carolina. Tony Smith in Fort Worth, Texas. Andrew Martin in Sydney, New South Wales. Okay, so now we go, uh, and I just want to thank all these folks for being uh, contributors to the show. What is it? 1136. 1136. And these are, you folks helped us produce this show, and we want to thank you very much. You count. You matter. Yeah, matter very much. This show doesn't work any other way. But you know that by now, unless you're brand new and I suggest you have a look around Gitmo Nation. Go look at the Gitmo list. Uh, there's all kinds of things that are happening in this community, including the meetups. But thank you very much for those of you who understand that this is a value for value proposition. Whatever you think the show is worth to you, that's what we'd like you to donate. We do have all kinds of ideas, usually spurred on by people who come up with crazy ass numbers. I think the only things we do is Harp on Mother's Day and Valentine's Day. Everything else is is producer created. 
that I can recall. Every single yeah, donation. Our, our number. ideas aren't even successful. No, <laughs> there you go. Oh, shh. Remember, we're taking our secrets to the grave. We can't let anybody else know. Please support us at Dvorak.org slash N-A. Some karma is as requested. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah. You thought karma. Very nice list today. Today being the 9th of May, 2019, David Walsh celebrated his 45th yesterday. And Lisa Ha uh, says happy birthday to Brian. We just heard that. He also celebrated yesterday. Adam Wheeler says happy birthday to his smoking hot wife, Amy. She is uh, it's her birthday today. Lauren Littlefield will be celebrating on the 16th. Nothing like getting in early. Bar- Baron Walkman of Buckeye. Happy birthday to his daughter, Brooke. She turns 18. Amy Burlingame says happy birthday to her son, Jacob Burlingame. That must be the vegan weightlifter and megan kendall says happy birthday to her wonderful husband john kendall we couldn't agree more happy birthday from everybody here at the best podcast in the universe It's always sad when we have no knightings or damings during the program, but well, that's what happens. We do have one title change. Alex Beatty becomes Baronet. And we are very thankful to him for his additional support of the show in the amount of $1,000 or more. And his name will be Baronet, Sir Economic Hitman. And we thank you very much, uh, good sir. Support us at noagendashow.com. You can go to Dvorak.org slash NA for our next program, which will be on... Uh, on Sunday, which will be Mother's Day in the United States of Gitmo Nation. Thanks again, everybody. It's nice. I think it's called Mothering Day in England. Uh, um, I don't think it's Sunday. Not shut down. I'm not really sure about that. I think it's called Mothering Day. Hmm. Could be. Well, I oh, I have a. Vaccinations. Vaccinated. The link to autism. To be vaccinated. Vaccinations are highly effective. If you have to get sick, sure can't beat the measles. So, uh, following the uh, the measles scare, which is now global, it's global, baby. Everybody's well freaked out about measles. Germany, uh, apparently, the health minister proposed. So it's not law yet, but the Germany's health minister proposed a. Fine, if you are not vaccinated, that would be 2,500 euro fine if you are not vaccinated against uh, measles, mumps, and rubella. What a a great scam that is. Let's back up for one second and remember that until recently, nobody kept their papers. They kept the papers that they were vaccinated. They just got vaccinated or they got the measles. Right. And they didn't keep a careful record. No. And so now you have to show your papers or you have to pay a $2,500 fine. Well, not yet. It's it's a proposal. It's it's not law yet, but uh, well, pe- most, people are on, wants to do it. most people are on board. It is now also, uh, now we've spread to Australia. Australia hyping it up. Australia on alert after travel warning issued. It's a university student diagnosed with infectious disease. Measles. So it's if this truly was just a Merck promotion, which by the way worked very well with their sales and their and their quarterly numbers, we saw they uh, they crushed expectations, as we say in the business, crushed. 
Um, then it's surprising, but uh, you know, everyone, everyone's all in. Everyone's all in on the vaccinations, except for Robert Kennedy Jr. We've played many clips of him. Uh, he has, he, I would call him, uh, like myself, a semi-vaxxer, not anti-vax, but we have to be careful and ask questions. Nothing wrong with it. And yeah. like I say, uh, anyone who says that I'm a, a even anything or can or so pro vaccine, I always ask them if they had their HPV vaccination yet. Yeah, you should go get that and right I always away. Say, by the way, look into it a little bit, but you'd have to get it if you're that much of a vaxer. And that's really what uh, Kennedy Jr. started with, I believe, around the HPV vaccine. But now his family is uh, rather upset. Robert Kennedy's three oldest children have stood together in joy and loss. But now a disagreement over the measles vaccine strains family ties. In a column for Politico magazine, former Congressman Joseph Kennedy II, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, and her daughter Maeve Kennedy McCain criticize RFK Jr.'s longtime anti-vaxxer efforts. They write he has helped Not spread dangerous... Mis- no. Did you hear that? The report is yeah, it's confusing. It's actually a neuro-linguistic programming. Let's hear it again. Criticize RFK Jr.'s longtime anti-vaxxer efforts. He's going around saying, is, in other words, he's pro-vaccine no, to no, an no, extreme because no, so, no, he's anti-vaxxer? No, no, I think you're hearing it wrong. In a column for Politico magazine, former Congressman Joseph Kennedy II, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, and her daughter Maeve Kennedy McCain criticize RFK Jr.'s longtime anti-vaxxer efforts. It's his family who's criticizing him, not him. The family's criticizing him of being an anti-vaxxer. You with me? Yeah, but doesn't uh, they're criticizing him for being an anti-vaxxer? Yeah. What okay. Are, what are they saying wrong? Oh, the way it's the way it comes they, out is that criticizing him for okay. Never mind. I exactly. it's just a confusing way of p- producing this clip. I I. I I'm backing away from the mic. Kathleen Kennedy Townsend and her daughter Maeve Kennedy McCain criticize RFK Jr.'s longtime anti-vaxxer efforts. They write he has helped spread dangerous misinformation over social media and is complicit in sowing distrust of the science behind vaccines. Here is RFK Jr. in Texas just last week on the measles. The thing that cured it was... Nutrition and clean water. It's uh, Not the vaccine. We love Bobby, they write, praising his efforts to protect the environment. But they say on vaccines he is wrong and his opposition is having heartbreaking consequences. Mm. They point to their family's long history of promoting immunization campaigns. President John F. Kennedy personally endorsing the polio vaccine in 1961. With this miraculous drug, I hope that everyone takes advantage of it. The public health works of their father and grandfather as attorney general and Senator Ted Kennedy. Bobby is an outlier in the Kennedy family, they write. Tonight, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says, I don't think we should be forcing pharmaceutical products on unwilling American citizens without understanding the downside risks. Risks the CDC and other medical organizations say are well understood and do not outweigh the benefits of vaccination. Ah, my advice? Avoid small aircraft. (laughs) <laughs> Hot tubs, <clears throat> canoeing in uh, any kind of water near Washington, D.C. 
<clears throat> they're out to get him. His own family now is out to get him. So this, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. Does it does sound does, like he's out there out to get him? Vaccinations. Vaccinated. The link to autism to be vaccinated. Vaccinations are highly effective. If you have to get sick, sure can't beat the measles. I, I wanted to mention something uh, from the OTG department. Well, yeah. before you go there. I do have a drug-related uh, clip. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that I think is going to be absolutely profound. Good. Oh, you have a, there's a new drug. No, but this is, I think is going to be extremely profound. If they if it's just going to be profound, and it's the drug ads. They've changed the policy about a lot how how to allow them. This is very interesting. TV ads for prescription drugs will have to start showing list prices of the medications. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced the rule today. It affects drugs that cost more than $35 for a month's supply. Yeah, and we knew this was coming. How do you think that'll change anything? Well, when they start promoting some of these drugs that are so expensive. I mean, even though you only co-pay maybe 10 bucks on these pills. Yeah. Uh, if the list price is like a thousand dollars, you have to hopefully the public will start to realize that this is a scam mm. because you pay. Yeah. You only pay 10 bucks because you got insurance and the other guys who can't don't have insurance. They find some way around the price too. Right. But when you're paying your 10 bucks and the insurance company's paying a thousand bucks and you wonder why your premium is $5,000, you know, a quarter. <laughs> yeah. This is the reason. Yeah. And I think part of the, the stipulation is they can't just be in the little disclaimer in the small no. type. It has to be a certain size, has to be in a certain uh, yes. certain part of the screen. Well, this is part of Trump's get the prices down thing, which he's talking about again, and we'll see. Well, there's other ways of getting the prices down, like letting the American public order from Canada, which was a law that we tried to pass, and people such as Cory Booker pushed against it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Cory mm, Booker's one douche. of the big... He's in the pocket of the drug companies. That's why he's making no inroads on the contenders list. Mm. Really? Do they, do they donate to his campaign? Is that, do we have that uh, well, that's information? That's the way it would work, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, just a little, a little OTG thing that I caught, you know, besides the fact that Uber is, com- is now uh, working with law enforcement anywhere. They're happy to open up their logs. So if, if you're accused of anything, Uber will, uh, will give them all your information where you were. Uh, but this was someone who was trying to send me an email, one of our producers, and he and he's, he uses Yahoo Mail. And depending on what he was sending, uh, as far as I understand, regardless of who he was sending it to, he would receive an error message in his Yahoo Mail that says sending for sending from Yahoo Mail error five five four message not allowed. And they have a web page which explains what this Yahoo error is. And this is quite interesting. You will receive an SMTP, that's Simple Mail Transfer Protocol, that's the internet uh, email protocol. You'll receive an SMTP error or failed delivery message that includes 554 message not allowed when the content of a message you're trying to send violates Yahoo mail policies. Content that violates policies includes objectionable links, malicious attachments, or bad header information. Well, forget the malicious attachments and bad header information. Objectionable, not 
dangerous malware, no, objectionable links. And then it says, review the uh, Yahoo. Uh, objectionable as an objectionable, but not illegal? Correct. Objectionable. So that could be, and, and this person who emails me, of course, emails me, uh, you know, often uh, with what someone could deem objectionable content, you know, like uh, anti-vaxxer stuff or moon landing or I don't know, just stuff. But Yahoo is now actively scanning the outgoing email for objectionable links and perhaps other content issues and will not send your email. I mean, does this give anybody a clue of where it's all really headed? Because you should understand. Remember there was this cool device. What was that called? The ledge, the the edge, the box. What was it now? Some home server thing that looks like someone finally got it right. I'll find the information for the next show. But you should really consider uh, not using Yahoo or Gmail. Or even Outlook for that matter. Outlook.com. Get squirrel mail, people. Well, anything but that. <laughs> I so, just no, I thought no, that I thought that was pretty but amazing. That meaning Yahoo. Squirrel mail is yeah. great. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, um, I have two clips left. Okay. Just updates. World updates. Well, we can start with the illegal surveillance clip from Democracy Now. Uh, yeah, we can do that one. In news from Washington, tension continues to escalate between congressional Democrats and the Trump administration. The House Judiciary Committee is preparing to vote today on whether to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for failing to provide lawmakers with an unredacted copy of the Mueller report. The Justice Department's now advising Trump to invoke executive privilege over the entire unredacted report and underlying evidence. In related news, the White House has directed former counsel Don McGahn not to comply with a congressional illegal surveillance I don't know it's your clip well then skip it and let's go <laughs> to the current Iranian Iranian situation ah yes I have something for that as well current Iranian situation also democracy now this time yeah, yeah. Iran's announced it'll stop complying with parts of the landmark 2015 nuclear deal and resume high-level enrichment of uranium in 60 days if other signatories of the deal do not take action to shield Iran's oil and banking sectors from U.S. sanctions. This comes a year after President Trump pulled out of the nuclear deal. In a speech earlier today, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani said Iran wants to stay in the nuclear deal, but that it's rolling back its commitments due to Washington's actions. In the short term, Rouhani said Iran would stop exporting excess uranium and heavy water from its nuclear program. The Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA, is here and it remains in place. But today, we have shown the flip side of the JCPOA coin. This is the same nuclear deal that states if the other parties are failing to meet their obligations, then we can also reduce our obligations in the deal. Today, we are announcing a reduction of our obligations under the deal. We are not leaving the nuclear deal. Russia responded by blaming the United States for provoking Iran into rolling back the terms of the nuclear deal. The Iranian-American author Trita Parsi said, quote, Trump has initiated a chain reaction that will make America and the world less safe. Hmm, I got a clip to compliment that from Bloomberg. Uh, this is Admiral James Strav- Strav- Stravitis. 
He's the guy that I think at one point was being vetted for a possible Hillary VP nomination back in mm. uh, back in the day. And he gives us a little detail on exactly what this uh, this strike force is. And he would know since he's an admiral. Admiral Stavitas, let us talk sea power this morning. Translate for our listeners what it means when the media says that Abraham Lincoln deploys from Naval Station Norfolk. What actually happens when something that big deploys? So these are aircraft carriers, about 100,000 tons, Tom. Uh, Crew is about 5,000. They're surrounded by about uh, 10 additional ships with another 5,000 sailors. So figure kind of 8 to 10 ships as well as 10,000 sailors, 70 combat aircraft, um, hundreds of Tomahawk missiles. That entire consortium, if you will, is called a carrier strike group. That is what has deployed, and it's headed toward the Arabian Gulf. They're headed there, and all of us of a certain vintage, including you, Admiral, remember the certitude of big fleets, not in World War II, but if we just go to Argentina and the Falkland Islands, Mm. there are threats out there. What are the threats to the Abraham Lincoln, or is this a junket to show the flag? This is a real threat to the uh, strike group uh, as we look at Iranian capability in the Arabian Gulf, where they're headed. What the Iranians can do is launch cruise missiles from the shore. They can send jet aircraft. They can use diesel submarines to attack it. Uh, They have any number of ways they can attack this strike group. So tensions are rising. We ought to be quite concerned about it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we should be that concerned. I don't know. I don't know. We should either. I, I like the way he specifically said, instead of saying submarines. Yeah, diesel powered. He said diesel powered yes. as some some commentary. I so wonder. Like, yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, Sir, Sir, Sir Rod, Atomic Rod might be able to tell us why that was a specific I guess they don't have uh, they don't have well, nuclear would, subs. The, the implication is they don't. They have don't have nuclear subs. Nuke. Yeah, yeah. But what's the point of pointing out the pointing this out? Well, Why? T- well, to to point out that they're also horrible climate change polluters, <laughs> polluting the seas with their damn diesel. They're like the the Volkswagen of the seas. Yeah, there's a, it's a negative. <laughs> all the implications are negative. It's perfect for a false flag, though. We love having uh, having ships well, blow up near, yeah, near we somewhere. We predicted a false flag, upcoming false flag, for the last month or two on the show. Yes, and the reason why a is major, because... major, major false flag. Yes, because Pompeo uh, spoke behind closed doors in Dallas to a number of uh, prominent Iranians, Persians living in um, uh, America, and he said, we're not going to go after him. No, 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 we're not doing anything. We're hanging back. We're good. We're not going to do anything. Not us. We're not going to attack him. Nope, 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 nope. So you position something out there, and you know it's a it's a perfect setup for something to happen. Ugh, disgusting. It's Bolton again. It's Bolton, Pompeo, and Trump is asleep at the wheel when it comes to this. Sleep. Or maybe he yeah. thinks it's great. I don't know. Maybe he's all in on this. I, I thought we were, we're going to do no wars. Bring on That's Tulsi Gabbard. Thought. That was the promise. Yeah, that was a promise, wasn't it? Well. Yeah. Promise unkem, unkept. Unkept. All right. I don't have any more clips. I think I'm done. We could, uh, is there anything else we need to talk about? I've got the Green New Deal. I mean, I could have a clip of 
of uh, Doug Collins bitching and moaning to Nadler. It's, nah, it's no, I'm so sick and tired of that shit. No. In fact, we should just make a rule. 15 minutes of the show should be dedicated to this sideshow of bullshit. These, these, this bullshit. It's just horrible. It keeps the uh, news business going, and I think people are disinterested. I'm not interested anymore. Uh, I'm still interested. And Send someone to jail. Highly amusing. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad you do. Well, I then, do. <laughs> I do. Do you? Th- uh, one question. Do you think that uh, AOC really doesn't know what a garbage disposal is? I get the sense that that was a hoax or a put on or. There's something fishy about that clip about AOC and her garbage disposal. Now, the, now, uh, the garbage disposals have been banned where she has lived for all of her life, so that she may not have operated one. Uh, That's possible. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It's like remember and, the president George H. W. Bush was like stunned. When he went to a grocery store store and he saw a scan, uh, you know, laser. <laughs> wow, scanner. you can check out like that. That's crazy. Yeah, he was so he was like naive about stuff. I mean, people don't know certain things. I still remember my favorite clip from 60 Minutes when uh, one of the famous tennis stars of the era was trying to act like she knew her way around a kitchen and and then grabbed a can opener for some dumb reason and then threw it down uh, Chris Everett. She she said and she grabbed a can and the can opener and she's and she throws the can opener down all in a fluster and says <laughs> I don't know how to operate something like this. <laughs> I know that I think you tweeted that garbage disposals have been banned in Berkeley for a long time. Yes, they have. Why are garbage disposals banned? Are they what's the problem? Well, apparently you're grinding up stuff that goes into the sewage treatment plant, sometimes hurts the, the uh, process of sewage treatment. Uh, and it also encourages bad habits when you should be, yeah. we should be making compost piles of our garbage in the backyard and letting the flies get in there and stink up the place and create <laughs> huge piles of maggots crawling everywhere. I don't know. I think it's dumb. I, to me, I've had garbage disposals all my life. I love garbage disposals. And uh, what do you definitely not put down your garbage disposal? Well, I have a bone crusher. I have a well, garbage disposal that's quite good. Uh, you don't have you, you've got you've got a, a medieval uh, torture device. I have a, a gar- bone garbage crusher. disposal that kicks butt, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's pretty much anything will, anything will go in it. I, but I, you want to avoid <laughs> you want to avoid you know metal. Well, the troll room is. Although this funny thing when you put when metal goes in there and it's grinding around in there, it usually gets thrown out of the garden. It spews back. <laughs> so he, into the kitchen. Here's our troll room. Don't put children down there. Don't put people. Yeah, that's, grease, that's the obvious. Gold jokes. fingers, money, uh-huh. silverware. Oh, the bone crusher. Yes. And where is Mimi? The final question. Yeah. <laughs> She's down with the baby. As a matter of fact, right downstairs. Oh. Oh, hi, Mimi. She doesn't listen. No, she doesn't. The J listens. All right, everybody. That is our deconstruction for today. We've covered a lot of topics. We certainly hope you found it valuable. If you did, let us know how valuable it was to you by going to Dvorak.org slash NA. After all, it's your time. It's your show. You're the producer. It's all up to you. Dvorak.org slash NA. Special thanks to uh, Jesse Coy Nelson. Uh, to Mad Monk 13. And uh, yeah, that's our end of show mixes. Remember, we have another one coming up on Sunday. Not just show mixes, but an actual show. 
And I'm coming to you from the frontier of Austin, Texas, capital of the Drone Star State, FEMA region number six and all your governmental maps. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's in the afternoon now and it's still cold, I'm John C. Dvorak. We return on Sunday right here on No Agenda. Until then, as always, adios, mofos, and such. Russian collusion. The report was quite expensive, costing over 25 million so far. Mueller arrived at the FBI just seven days before 9-11. President Obama asked him to stay for two more years. It required an act of Congress. And once there was this girl who couldn't go more than a minute without saying Russia or Putin. And when this report came out, she had another major meltdown. It's really no big thing, she always just does that. Russia, 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 Putin, Russia's Russia, 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 Russian, 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 Russia, Russia, Moscow, Moscow, Russia, Putin, 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 Russian, 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 Russia, the Soviet Empire, the second of the 20th century's great evils. Just begin the conversation about children in the United States of America. That's true. Children living in poverty do not have an easy go of it. That's true. And often, and the child even is abused not only mentally and emotionally but even physically that's true the societal expectation is that we are to look the other way that's true this is a horrific experience that that little boy is happening that's true and when our culture begins to actually stand up for children that would be the time to begin a debate on abortion that's true and after a while they become unmanageable and everybody's afraid of them and they back off and now the child lands into foster care. That's true. Because the unwanted baby leads directly to a child in foster care. That's true. 80% of the children sold into sex slavery come out of the foster care system. That's true. Let's actually start to examine intentions until we're caring for the children properly. That's true. Once the children are being cared for properly, then... We can talk about whether or not there's moral high ground in the abortion debate. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. true. Donate to a no agenda. 
they give us shows week after week. Donate to a no agenda. It's a show that's really unique. Donate to a no agenda. Listen to John and Adam speak. Donate to a no agenda. Science is turning into a clique. Dvorak.org slash N-A Those in favor, respond by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. No. no.